Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey, hey. Duncan. Hey. Jeff. Yellow. And John's back for one night only. <laughs> <laughs> Triumphant well, return. All right, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Triumphant Irish goodbye. <laughs> Bring, bringing his energy. His unique energy. <laughs> uh, in honor of having a five-person panel, in honor of making it somehow to the year 2020, um, in honor of everything we've watched and laughed and suffered and lost, we're going to be doing a joint top 10 anime of the decade, 2010 to 2019. I know that's not the right way to count it, according to boring people who wanted to make uh, Y2K not fun for everybody. Mm. Uh, but... They're long gone. I was one of those people, actually. Why? What, what, should, the, what should the official list be? 20, 2009 to 2019? Is that what they're saying? Or? 2011 to, 20, to 2020 is the official, like, 1 to 10. Yeah. But we're not doing that, because that means we have to wait a whole fucking year. Well, it's because there was no year zero, right? There was year one. There was no then... zero, year zero, yes. Yeah. Well, there was no John. year one either. The like, first one was, like, 365 or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeff, you read that fucking time. We'll put the article that Jeff's talking about in the show notes. <laughs> I mean, if it helps, we've ruined it anyway by being three months late, so... You can't see me, but I'm shrugging over the mic, uh, (laughs) dear listeners. So what we all did is we all made our respective one to ten top lists um, with... uh, the number one slot getting 10 points and the number 10 slot getting one point, we added those all together to come up with a 36-item list authoritative of Keyframe's best anime of the past 10 years. And we'll be going through this from number 36 to number one, and everybody who voted, and even some of the people who didn't vote, because I'm sure some of these choices will elicit reactions, will tell why they picked this, why it's on their list, why it's important to them, or, I don't know, some other random tone poem like prose fugue about why why uh, this anime matters. So yeah, we took this format from the quarter to three movie podcast, their yearly thing, and kind of in sort of honor of the late Christian Morosky who passed last uh, uh, end of last December. Yeah. So yeah, uh, with that grand auspice, we'll start with the first item in the four way tie for. Uh, the lowest ranked anime uh, with one po- with one point Andy yeah. Kimono Friends <laughs> I mean I had to put it in <laughs> I mean it wouldn't be Andy's list otherwise exactly it really wouldn't be he definitely enjoyed everything about that and everything around it and then using it as a weaponized thing to beat us with so yeah I mean yeah I well also the thing is Vince was just like when I was talking to her about it she was like you're not putting Kamono Friends in that list at all and I was like oh yeah I guess I should <laughs> no I really like I do to be serious though I do think Kamono Friends is kind of great it's kind of like a weird or to like a weird thing that came out of nowhere that nobody expected to be any good and sort of made you or at least made at least made me question like when you look at an anime on its first or even just any show like at its first glance you can be like that looks hideous that looks ugly uh, i don't think i'll enjoy this at all and then you get into it and you're like oh no no there's still quite a lot in there that's actually quite good and 
you know, I'm not I'm not saying that it's true for every anime, for sure, but it certainly did make me think about all the other anime that I've dismissed just because it looks ugly. Like, Big Mouth in Netflix is incredible, and I've just started watching that. <laughs> I keep I keep hearing about how good that is, and I can't get over the art style. How good what is, sorry? Yeah. Big Mouth. It's oh, the yeah, no, Nick, no. Nick Kroll no. anim- uh, animated comedy. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I don't care. John tried to pull the ripcord frantically. No, I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. It looks it looks ugly as sin, but I, I think it's really funny. But I also think that's the same with Kimono Fans. Like, it looks ugly. Nobody expected anything from it. And, you know, it, it was a mega success. And I still think it's mm. there's some pretty great stuff in there. Um, and, yeah, it deserves, I guess... Number 10. <laughs> yes, number 10. Yeah. Just one step up from honorable mention. But yeah, that, that ugly duckling lesson is a good lesson to have. And it, I wasn't necessarily taught it by Kimono Friends, but there are some not good looking anime, especially with the rise of CGI, so common, yeah. like lower budget productions. Like you kind of have to get over yourself. Um, not everything can be Violet Evergarden, I guess, in terms of looks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of glad it's Kimono Friends has made it on here because it's... It is, as Andy says, something which has a very amateur uh, feel, but also a weirdly auto feel. So it's almost like outsider art has somehow made its way into mainstream anime and been become suddenly beloved. And so that, yeah. that's kind of good. And then also, I guess you've also got the other end of what happened to Kimono Friends after Kimono Friends with the whole... Oh, like, poor thing. Uh, yeah, with the whole politics around season two and the big uh, the big fallout with the company and the main director who made it, like really a show from a failing fucking webtoon and game to something that was like incredibly huge over the space of a month, and then it's kind of like a shock to the system, I guess, and a shock to a lot of fans as how bad mistreated that studio got for that series. Mm. So, yeah. So yeah, that's Kimono Friends with one point. (laughs) Also with one point is uh, my number 10 choice, Humanity Has Declined. And this is half of why I cajoled John to coming onto this episode, because I don't think anyone else here has seen Humanity Has Declined. I I thought I had that on my list, but I guess I didn't. I've seen the first (laughs) episode, I think. (laughs) Classic Andy. (laughs) So like... I think we I think we can agree that the 2010s were like the decade of post-apocalyptic settings more so than even the 80s. And they usually came in one of two flavors which was either nuked wasteland or zombie hordes or porquenolos dos. Uh but there's definitely a fixation on inventing a catastrophe that like pairs down society to its fundaments and then asks whether these fundaments exist for good or ill. And humanity has declined follows this pattern. It's synopsis. A researcher sifts through, sifts through the detritus of a world where humanity has been supplanted as a dominant species. Could be the synopsis to I Am Legend. Uh, but humanity has declined kind of takes the opposite pro- approach, not just because it's a comedy, but also for a, to a big uh, extent because it's a comedy. It uses the apocalypse as a blank canvas upon which to celebrate and to no small extent mock the achievements and foibles of modernity, of modernity from like capitalism to the Dogen industry, while also like actually having a very strong main character, uh, the unnamed protagonist Watashi is this young woman uh, for whom the end of the world is kind of her deliverance from her own bad habits of toxicity and cruelty. Uh, at least you get that story once you've figured out that the show is told in an extremely chaotic reverse order. Hmm. Uh, 
So in its silly, irreverent way, I feel like humanity has declined, asks us to consider what comes next after the world that we're living in and who will benefit from it, but without throwing in monsters to frighten us away from thinking too long or too hard about that. And it's a pretty funny show, too. Yeah. I haven't watched it. <laughs> it's on the list. I mean, I know that I know that John was very fond of it when it aired. It's a it's a fairly old show. Mm-hmm. It is one of my favorite shows ever. I just did. I had my list and I picked randomly from the list, and that one didn't end up on the final list. The final list. That that's always an approach which comes up to bite someone. <laughs> like, it's the only way I can do these lists. I don't I don't do ranks. Yeah, that's that's fair. I don't like everyone's going to be like, oh man, I should have had that on my list. And you can just take the time of it being brought up to say what you liked about it. But like, I think Mandy's decline is very funny. I think it's very kind-hearted, while still not like whitewashing mm-hmm. the cruelties of the world. I think that the that the fact that the the world is permeated with these fairies who talk in like a weird baby voice and they're always smiling and they seem to be omnipotent compared to us, the defeated species, um, but don't really have our same values or priorities. So they are almost a force of nature. I don't know. I like it. And I think that especially when you reach the final episode and you're like, oh, this is who she was before all this happened. And then you realize that like the kind, patient, indulgent person um, who's curious and energetic, like that's the result of a lot of bad trying and confusing shit that she's <laughs> gone through since the end. That is the beginning of her story. So I, I like humanity has declined a lot. It ended up, I thought it was going to get cut early when I had like my short list of 30 something shows and it just hung on. It survived like appropriate the, uh, the Haruhi movie getting cut. Humanity has declined with one point. <laughs> I like I like it um, for the same reason I like another thing that uh, will be brought up later. <clears throat> um, I used to think that I like post-apocalyptic <laughs> settings on their own, but I think more and more I realize that it's like post-human settings because it's interesting mm. to see like where people think the world and life will go after humanity has declined. Mm. Um, <laughs> And that's a big part of why I like it. And also, I just like comedies. So when you couple those two things together. Yeah. I had to make an effort to put comedies on my list, but uh, I'm glad I did because I think the comedies that do make it through the the gauntlet are the ones that I genuinely love. And I'm only tempted to discount because like comedies aren't serious media or whatever. (laughs) Well, speaking of serious media, also with one point from Jeff is Legend of Galactic Heroes, Di Noia Teze. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, that was a, uh, it's, I was looking at my list and I, I've noticed that checking it twice as I go <laughs> up my list, the, like the worst the shows would get according to anybody else. Uh, but <laughs> Legend of the Galactic Heroes is just like rock solid, just meat and potatoes, military intrigue with like, you know, you know, it has a little something to say, like, what if war is bad, actually? What if... <laughs> <laughs> from from the early anime with Gundam of just being like, whoa, what if people die in war and that's bad? Yeah, and this... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice, just sort of very sober, mature, like, war story told with just, like, an expert hand. Like, I think the show just looks like... It, it doesn't... It isn't, like, beatific, but it's, like, fucking... Beatific just rock solid the whole way through like <laughs> it's 
like it, and it's also it's, it's a very easy show if you know someone's like what you know what is this whole anime thing that you like and it's like just go check this one out this is like the easiest entry point if you like like the person and want them to come back <laughs> yeah i i definitely think that legend of galactic heroes has a lot of commonality with one of my favorite sci-fi uh which is crest and banner of the stars where it just it feels like someone animated like a silver age sci-fi novel mm-hmm. into a TV into a TV show because a lot of sci-fi anime has its own tropes and its own kind of greasy thing that it's doing and you can say a lot of thing about a lot of things about Legend of the Galactic Heroes but greasy is not one of them unless yeah. you're talking yeah. about uh, <laughs> what is it like Jewish coded uh, banker guy on his own planet of Phelan. <laughs> yeah, like that. That was not perfect. That's like, th- th- I think that's more like our bad world <laughs> making that just like way more sus. And, yeah. and also it's got some like, it's got some good stuff to say about like, you know, you know, how does, how does Forever War get propagated under a democracy how mm-hmm. does right. and what and like and what is the alternative because you know you have you know what we have now and also what a lot of like right wingers would think would be the ideal society on the other side mm-hmm. yeah and that's pretty pretty prescient that in the mid 80s they basically have a, a dead-on critique of of the forever war yeah. coming through well i mean Anybody who was paying attention would say we had a pretty dead-on critique of democracy in Forever War in the (laughs) mid-80s. Yeah. Have you seen the originals, Jeff? I have not. Okay. This was this was my this is my first foray into uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I may or may not ever go back for more because (laughs) I don't know if the third season is ever going to get made of this series. But I hope so. Yeah. I was always happy when a new episode came up because it was Mm -hmm. it was. I, I I know you. It's, it almost feels like we're damning it with fake plays, saying, "Oh, it's, it's really solid, a really good, good, just really good. strong pat on the back." Like you yeah. did all right, <laughs> well done, son. But every I can't remember a bad episode. It was always is just oh yeah, that was good. Okay, yeah. Next, I'm quite happy to see next week. What's and next? Yeah, I've heard people just compare it to the original and say it doesn't stand up. I've not seen it. So. I think there are standards of pacing in in the eighties that you can't get away with in in the t- late twenty tens, early twenty twenties, <laughs> yeah. um, because a lot of a lot of the original series is very slow, as I think we've talked about before on this very podcast. But I I am glad that it's getting a refresher, and everybody who says like, "Oh man, one hundred and ten episodes, I can never do that." They can get tricked into watching 110 episodes <laughs> by just following it season by season now. And that, it doesn't sound like I was worried about when I heard about it, because I did worry that a lot of the more timeless concerns of the show made in the 80s and 90s. Um, now that we literally have like Iraq and Afghanistan and all these other like just permanent wars that you're expected to support uncritically while we have civilian arrest unrest at home. Like I was feared like, oh, it's. It's too prescient and they'll be tempted to make it more specific, but it does sound like they actually have good stewards of the mm-hmm. franchise mm-hmm. in charge of it right now. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Also, with one point, our final one point, uh, John, tell us about Barakamon. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, Barakamon. <laughs> that was... Uh, <laughs> it's good. Barakamon. Speaking yeah, of good. nice, speaking of speaking kind, of chill. Speak, speaking of comedies that, you know are just wonderful to sort of bask in for a while. Yeah, so it's about a guy who is a professional 
calligrapher. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the word. He, he does uh, the fancy Japanese writings, uh, but he's like hit a wall in his creative career, I believe, and he goes mm -hmm. out to live in the country for a while to sort of get away from everything and figure himself out. He punches a reviewer in the face, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he gets <laughs> forgot he about that. Yeah, I did forget about that. He does get, he, yeah, I guess. So it's sort of like so a... So he gets uh, told to go to the victor's countryside yeah. so it's that a, he could chill a, out. It's a forced exile, temporary exile, hopefully temporary anyway. Uh, yeah, he goes out there and then he's like trying to figure his shit out. And then there's this annoying little girl who just starts following him around and demanding to be a part of his life. And <clears throat> he sort of gets used to her and then starts to like her and then gets used to all the other villagers out there and it's just really nice to watch. Uh, well, because I feel like the show is a lot about him feeling isolated by his art and his level of skill and so it's a show about like reconnecting with people a mm -hmm. lot of the time too. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, and all the sort of art pieces are very selfless in a way. They're always to do with the community and always to do with like the uh, sort of events that precede him which again, you, you know, you could argue is pretty common for this kind of show but the way that they calligraphy is done i felt it's actually quite powerful i don't know i thought it was really good like when he writes the names of all the does it all the deceased people or all these people like this you remember huge... this anime really well andy jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> i really liked it it was on my it was gonna be on my list of stuff that didn't yeah, make... To make room for kimono friends exactly yeah. exactly so not to mention it because i trusted you other people to have better taste than me um so <laughs> So yeah, I, I think I think Barakamon's really good. I also feel that if you haven't checked out uh, the sequel prequel thing, Honda San, I think it's a different tone, but it's still quite funny. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I never bothered. No, fair enough. It, it was like this isn't what I want, and I just never bothered. Yeah, the he the healing. What what uh, Barakamon always reminds me of, and I don't know if this is because they came out at the same time, but it kind of has like some silver spoon energy. Yeah, if uh, I know that's another show that that John liked a lot, Silverstone. Um, yeah, just yeah, like in, in go general, out into the countryside. Exactly, I was going to say chill. like this is probably the representative on my list of that type of show where somebody escapes to the countryside and just lives a good life for a while, because mm -hmm. that's a dream I always have in the back of my head that I know I will never be able to live. Living and... in one of the ten largest cities in the, in the United States, you want to just be far away. Yeah, yeah. of course. My, I mean, my I want to move to Tokyo, which is the opposite of what I want. <laughs> what I'm saying here, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, you're right in that Honda-san is a different energy completely, but the fact, the joke with Honda-san is that he is perfect and he has a mean, perfect-looking face, so everybody just respects him, even though really he's just shitting himself when he has an internal monologue of him not knowing what the fuck's going on. It's pretty funny. You should check out Honda-san. Like, but, like you said, different energy completely from Barakamon. Um, yeah, I don't think I would hate it. I just, you know, when I wanted more Barakamon, that's not what it was. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But what if he was going to school in a nice rural town? <laughs> yeah. Like Nam Nam Bjorn. <laughs> Spoilers, that's coming up on the list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so. So, next, um, number two on, uh, well, number nine on someone's list with two points. Andy, tell us about Maiden Abyss. Oh, yeah. Maiden Abyss is good shit. <laughs> Everybody else clearly disagrees. I thought it was really powerful. Uh, and of all the sh of all the shows that uh, stuck with me over the years of looking through, I was like, yeah, Made in the Abyss was really good. Uh, I don't have much more to say on it. I really enjoyed everything that it was giving me, and I ate it all up. I liked the feeling of adventure. I liked the I liked the world design, and I liked the character design, and it looked gorgeous. It was good. 
I think a lot of people did connect with it because it's getting like a bunch of movies, hasn't it? It's gotten at least two movies, right? I think the movies are 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 the movies are Pcaps. the series we made, and yeah, it's getting a second season right. too. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's getting a second season at some point. Hopefully, the second season avoids the tentacle rape of the little girl. Yeah, we'll I, have fe- I have a feeling. <laughs> drink, everybody, drink. I have a feeling it definitely will. I'll be shocked if We're it not does. That kind of anime uh, podcast. Um, yeah, I have, I, have a, I have a feeling. Hopefully, it will diverge somewhat, somewhat from the original source material around that exact thing. But I still really enjoyed it. So I think it's worthwhile. So check it out. Also, with two points, Jeff, tell us about. Devilman Crybaby. Uh, so Devilman Crybaby is basically the most perfect revival of an old series that you could <laughs> basically ever want. It honors the the original just balls out weirdness of like the seventies Devilman uh, without really doing anything to like update it for modern sensibilities. But Yuasa is just such a such a master of motion and style, and you know just updating the style slightly with like hip hop and stuff like that. Like it was just mm. such a fun, joyful thing. Like it's, it's very rare for me that like old shows or that, that like new shows copying old shows, like have the same sort of excitement, like any new Gundam, like if I like it, it's not for the same reasons that I like the old stuff, but the with Delaman Crybaby is just like, it, it just, it just captured it so perfectly. And yeah, like it, and it's just such like a you know such a a bummer downer ending that like you, it's it's just such a weird thing to see in in this day and age. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's just so much fun. I love it. I was gonna say for a power fantasy to end in, in such a, a downer, as you say, is just extremely unusual. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they're willing to you know still nod to like the weird latter day devil man where everything is just like oh it's a post apocalyptic world and it's just like a monster of the week and. And but also sort of like holding on to the same tone and emotional impact that the early episodes of the show were going for. It was just, I don't know, it was it was great. It was a huge surprise for me. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. Yeah, I agree. And you know, that, to be fair, that is how the original Devil Man ends. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if anything, it's giving it more respect than the uh, other Devil Man's the original Devil Man ever did. I do think that a lot of the style hides some pretty shonky animation at times but it's forgivable really for... really you don't say you're yeah. also doing that shit really <laughs> well it's a very short it's a very small budget like the the it is you asked as the art style but like uh that is hiding it but i think that there's certainly some points where you're like oh that doesn't look so good but <laughs> I'm such a philistine that like all that stuff just washes over me completely. Yeah, yeah, they're insane. Wish, it's fine. It looks good. I wish I had a broken brain like you, Jeff. <laughs> it looks. It, you're right in that it looks good, but there are some points in that it does. It does look a bit shonky. So you're describing but, literally every anime ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but so I if think... it looks good. So Jeff, have you seen the original Devil Man, or is this something that you've kind of gotten through internet osmosis? Um, it's a little bit of both. I've seen some of the early stuff in drips and drabs, like especially like the uh, the first early episodes, which much like the revival just start off completely crazy. You know, they go to a they go to an underground rave, and then they just have like a giant sex and death orgy out of nowhere with like really really weird you know commentary from rio the you know the friend erst you know come big spoiler you know 
literally Satan. <laughs> and the, 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 the titular devil man. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you you were about to correct me that actually devil man and Satan are different characters in this universe, and I'm glad that you I'm glad you demurred on that on that clarification. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I trust our readers to make the to make the distinction. <laughs> Please, he's a devil man, not a devil devil. It was really ref- <laughs> it, it was really refreshing to watch that, especially after stuff like Little Witch Academia, where the ending's always really great and the ending's always about like unification and sort of everyone coming together as one big power, which in a way they did, but against the main hero. Uh, like <laughs> it was it was refreshing to see something completely opposite and so nihilistic and so uh utterly shocking that uh yeah it really does leave an impression it's it's perfect netflix original anime fodder yeah i would love to see us's uh violence jack come on no no (laughs) before we move on jeff um have you ever seen uh kimono zume uh one of uh, your ass's earlier shows which was again uh like a it's take the same on, thing, yeah. Yeah, a, a really strong take on, like, the monster of the week and, like, someone dealing with uh, weird uh, sort of devil powers they didn't want. And, yeah, I think, like, I wonder if he wouldn't would have got asked to do Devil Man Cry by Crybaby if he hadn't produced that show. Hmm. I haven't. I'm interested in seeing it now. You can put it, put it on your list. <laughs> this is the first Yuasa mention so if you are drinking at home doing the drinking game take a drink because we're going to do a yeah. lot of it <laughs> <laughs> okay i didn't put any on my list i didn't either my list is you also free as opposed to what i'm watching for this season because i do like keep your hands off the azokin but hypocrite that's next episode it's so fucking good that show yeah we can't talk about andy it's, it's nope. the rules <laughs> only the last decade Shame that the uh, best anime of this <laughs> j- decade has oh already started. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> going to jump on the cliff and do it again. Uh, okay, so our other uh, anime with two points. John, why don't you tell us about Concrete Revolutio? Oh, I can't Ooh. tell you shit about that. You love Concrete Revolutio. I love it a lot. I, it's one of the most uh, complex series I've ever watched because it's the sort of thing where it has a lot of... Uh, analogies it's uh, what's the allegory allegory yeah that also works uh to to (laughs) history like real history in japan and and like you know the experiments during world war ii and other sorts of shit just like throughout all of history and it's stuff that i don't have a lot of uh internal knowledge about but when i read about it i'm like oh that's really cool also it's a really pretty show and it's really wild because it takes all these different like genres of superheroes or kaiju or uh psychic bullshit and just combines it into this one mishmash that somehow works um and i wish anybody other than me had seen it because then i could actually talk about it and have more to say i feel like concrete revolution was like everyone was really excited about it and then the moment the season ended like everyone had this this like secret pact never to bring it up again Hmm. um because I know you were very excited about it and the internet was like full of buzz and then we just moved on to the next thing. It just has like, it's not an easy to digest show. You have to actually engage with it. Mm. And so that's going to turn off most people. What is it like about ultimate? Like if it has like one theme in perhaps like <laughs> a single sentence, like what's it about? Like, is it about like the like weird twisty ways that history contributes to make, to like create the present or does it have a bit more of a thesis than that? Uh 
Yeah. You knew you were going to have to <laughs> feel this question. I, I mean, I told you I wasn't going to have anything to say. I wasn't lying. Now, this is a show where I, I, in, John. I don't have much to say because I have not talked about it with people. I just enjoyed it. And so do you enjoy the fact that it does feel like really like dense and hard yes. to grasp then? Mm-hmm. Cool. And I, like I said, I wish anybody else here had watched it so that I had anything to bounce off of. Maybe next decade, John. It'll never happen. Nobody ever <laughs> cares about what I like. Just tell, just tell Jeff that it's, that it's got a lot of problems and it's kind of bad. Uh, uh, well, it has a lot of problems, but it's not bad. I can't, I can't lie. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of got a lot of problems and it's kind of bad, let's go ahead and move on to, uh, <laughs> to uh, with three points. Andy, why did you put Kill a Kill on your list? Oh, I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs> why did you put Kill a Kill on your list? He, he heard it. He liked it. And it's kind of good. <laughs> kind of good. Out of all the trigger stuff, I think it's probably the best that I've seen. Oh, my God. I mean, it is at its high point. This is a minimal negativity zone. We let Andy, we let Andy say why he loves something, and then we can tear it down. No, I, I, thought, it, to do I thought it was not going to be good when I started it, and then, uh, and then I, then I did watch it, and I was like, oh no, this is quite good. It made me laugh. It made me enjoy everything. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. I don't have much more to say. I know Duncan's a huge booster of Mako, at least. I mean, I, I like Kill the Kill. Uh, it's it's a good it's show. It's not on your list, though. Can you defend that? I can, because there's at least ten things which are better than this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think the thing is, I, I like Kill the Kill a lot because it is unrepentantly trying to have its cake and, and eat it. It, it yeah. is, is just like, okay, we're, we're going full on into satirizing fan service and with lots of fan service and transformation sequences. And it is just like unrepentance and there's a kind of joy in that but the, that also brings with it a host of problems when you actually do stop watching it's it's like like if you you open a bag of sweets and you start eating them and, and you, you look <laughs> and you suddenly realize you've ate all the sweets and you feel full and you feel a little bit sick that's kill a kill yeah. this is definitely kill a kill is definitely a bag of peanut m&ms to me because i will gladly oh. eat the first 20 and then i'll begrudgingly eat the last 20 and then i'll feel <laughs> sick for an hour so mate i'm, all over, I, I'm all over fucking peanut m&ms i love yeah, that shit best M&M's uh, but, uh, but, uh, but no I remember when we when it was first airing and we were all members of the same forum community mm. and every every week people would come to be like I really liked the last episode but I have a lot of concerns about Kill a Kill and it like persisted <laughs> that way until like a surprising chunk of the way through it of like me and John and Duncan and Andy all being like, I like it, but there's just something that's not right about it. So I appreciate that you're able to push past that, Andy, to put it on your list. I definitely looked at it and then I was like, I can't put Kill the Kill on my list above like humanity has declined. So here I, mean, I am. I mean, as you've seen from my previous entries, my list is trash. But uh, I thought that <laughs> I, I think that there's actually I don't know. It, it I was on board by about episode three. So maybe it's just me. Like I, I was fully on board and I was eating everything that they were doing. Uh, episode four was the first good episode. Not the best. That's why for me it's only number seven. Which is which is <laughs> no which eight was episode four. Uh, that was the one where she was like trying to rush to school. I think to oh, I hate bring that episode. Some, that, that oh, episode I hate was that episode. so good. Fucking best episode oh, by oh far. Oh my god! No, it is. It is. Because that's when you see Mako's family, and fucking Mako's the best, and Mako's family is also the best. 
Ben, it turns out I'm not a Mako booster. You're just the only one who doesn't love that episode. Jeff's not talking. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even in my like top forty. Like, I, yeah, it doesn't yeah. deserve like, to be I, talked I, about. Bakemon like, Atari Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, I, I liked it. I appreciate it. Like for me, that show <laughs> never got better either. than that one perfect looping gif of the guy running down the stairs while like. And that's in the first five minutes of the first episode. Yeah, too, and like so. it never got better than that for me. But that was that was such a high mark that I got through the whole show and mostly enjoyed it the whole way through. I liked the we I like the weird alien shit. Like when it, when stuff stuff goes ever, that's where it wins me over. As you will see with later later <laughs> entries in my list. But yeah. like I like when when like the lore takes over the show, and then I will quickly get mad at the lore and think the lore is ruining the show. So I have a difficult <laughs> relationship with anime. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I like when when it goes full batshit. That's that's when I really 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 got on board. Like halfway through, after is it a wedding or a graduation ceremony or something? Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, that's when I was like, okay, this this show's actually pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I think out of all of the animes that we could have had, it was a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, I can't imagine a better version of Kill la Kill, but that doesn't mean that it was the best version of Kill la Kill, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. But I can imagine it, it like, compare it to, say... It can imagine being a lot worse, yes. Yeah, but compare it to, like, Pramar and the, <laughs> like, that is dog shite, and that feels like it's trying to do Kill la Kill in an hour and a half, and it doesn't quite get it. You are the only person I've ever heard that does not like Pramar. He does not I, like it a I lot. Know. <laughs> but I know. what does someone else like, then? <laughs> well, also the other uh show with three points, John Yamato Space Fellowship Yamato. Twenty one ninety nine. That's that's this decade. It's, uh yeah, it's uh remake. It's actually of... the decade twenty one ninety nine. The twenty twenty one nineties. But I can leave. We've let, let him cheat. <laughs> uh yeah, so it's a remake of an older series called Space Battleship Yamato and it's pretty much a straight remake it just skips a lot of the bullshit filler content from what mm-hmm. i understand um good. Which, yeah which it is a good thing anyway it's a great show i really like sci-fi I like space operas and i think anime does space operas better than most western sci-fi where that genre probably originated i don't actually know the history of space of space operas or sci-fi in general i don't care it's really good i fucking love it um <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah what i like what i like about yamato is it's just like it's basic mm-hmm. in a sort of like three snap thing. Like, yeah, it's not trying to be anything special, but it's really good at what it does. They're flying a massive space battleship through space to go to the planet, to go to the enemy planet and then come back. Yeah. And there's just like shit that happens on there and people defect and they find new technology and there's a space submarine. Yes, there's a space submarine and it goes into <laughs> subspace and then it has little fucking periscopes to poke out of subspace to see them. And they're like, where is it? We don't know. And they're like, oh, if we go into subspace too, we'll find them and kill them. It's so stupid and great. Uh, you need to watch uh, Starship Operators also as a space submarine, John. Oh, man. Space uh, submarines it's not are the as, coolest it's the, it's the reality TV uh, space opera <laughs> where this, this, uh, this ship breaks off from, like, a, a dying empire and they're going to get killed. But then they invite a bunch of reporters on there to film them so that no one will shoot them. It's good. Uh, I don't think it's, like, available anywhere to watch. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I enjoyed it. It's surprisingly good. Just because we're talking about space operas. I just, <laughs> sure. There's uh, not that, actually that much space further on besides uh, one of your entries. And that's not really an opera. So Yeah. Uh, Irresponsible Captain Tyler is really good. I just wanted to say that because nobody <laughs> ever talks about it. Okay, go on. No, but yeah, 2199 is... It, it, 
it is like Star Blazers slash Space Battleship Yamato, like cleaned up and just like you get to tune in on episode and they like fight the enemy and fight the good fight and win. And <laughs> if there's if I have a problem with it, it's that it, it feels like I'm watching propaganda from the year 2199 <laughs> 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 from from like the rousing. Like you heard me do the like the Yamato voice from the from the OP, from the OP to the ED and everything that happens in there. Like everyone's like like young and brave and full of fiery passion and if they have to die then by god they'll do it for earth and i'm like am i getting indoctrinated in a really <laughs> weird way to... but it's but like i'm not i'm like i'm not being turned into a fascist by this hyper militarized space battleship media at least as far as i know so it's you can just kind of like lay back and enjoy like a dumber slightly more willing to use violence version of the sci-fi that we have today and it's fun and there's a new series right or is it coming or is it out the next season? Uh, it's the, there's some movies out, I think, now already in 2202. Is that it? Twenty. I think it's 2202. I don't remember. I don't know. I haven't really kept up, but I know there's stuff that yeah, I'll watch eventually. I, I, need to, I need to watch the movie, and I need to remember to watch Yamato 2202, which, um, yeah, it's uh, it aired. <laughs> so yep. we, just we just didn't watch it. That's the way it, it goes. Aired, it aired last year. Yeah. So what's something which has aired and has been watched by someone? Uh, so for me, this is with four points, Run With the Wind. And I was surprised that I'm the only person to have this on my list. Oh, don't worry. It just didn't get on mine because, again, I picked randomly. Okay. Uh, so what I like about Run With the Wind um, is it takes one of we think of as the most solitary of competitive sports uh, and basically recontextualizes it as a group team thing and run with the wind. What it has to say is you may feel alone, but you're not really alone. Um, even if you are physically alone at the moment, every interaction you've shared with your friends and teammates, every kind word they've said to you, uh, that's what's guiding you along. And there are several sports anime on my list. Um, and sports anime in general are notable for having like a much more interior experience, I think, than a lot of, uh, of other anime shows long dramatic monologues about how someone's using a special basketball power aside. Uh, but I feel like run with the wind does the best job of showing um, that everyone's facing different obstacles, but they all end up in the same place. Uh, Prince's path is not Nico Senpai's path is not Kakaru's path, but they all have something to offer each other. And as a team, uh, these different offerings are what makes them a force to be reckoned with. And yeah, that does sound corny, like the mighty ducks or something. But I think it's balanced because also Run With The Wind's thesis is that self-improvement is fucking hard <laughs> and ultimately it's on you to improve. Um, so we have this combination of individual effort and collective success is what makes this anime feel like an achievement. You're crossing the finish line with the characters by the time that you've gotten to the end of the 23 episodes. So, yeah, we've talked a bunch about Run With The Wind uh, over the course of the season that it was airing, but I, I yeah, I couldn't leave this out. Just the fact that like even one subplot, like Prince's subplot, was enough to put it on the list for me. Um, or Nika Senpai, the, the cigarette-smoking X-Runners subplot. It's definitely my favorite sports anime from the past decade. Wow. I just realized I don't have any sports animes on my list. Yeah, I was surprised too. I, know, I, like, I really liked Haikyuu a lot, but I didn't put that on my list. Haikyuu's good, but it's just kind of like hyper-quality of the sports genre tropes. But... Run Over the Wind is a genuinely good story. 
I mean, yeah, any any episode, any show where like each episode is like first half, second half inside someone's head as they're running this relay. And it's just so good. It's just like you've known these characters for the entire show. And now for the last mm-hmm. like four episodes, sit in their head for 10 minutes and hear what they're like mentally going through as they're running this like ridiculous at this point for me, impo- borderline impossible marathon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found it really beautiful and happy. Yeah. So that's why it's on my list. Very inspir- inspir- inspiring. That's the word. Inspir- inspirational. Inspir- inspirationaling. <laughs> Inspiring making. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> next, also with four points, is From the New World, Duncan. Uh, yeah. Why did you pick this out of left field one? <laughs> well, it's... Uh, don't, it was, this was also on my short list. Just... John, do you want us to say that every one's on your list? <laughs> uh, so far, everything except for what Andy has said has been on my yeah. short list. <laughs> I don't even you've know watched, this you've watched, you've watched Made in Abyss and Kill a Kill. Come on. Yeah. I've watched them. They were not on my short list. Okay, oh, fair. Dear. Anyway, gentlemen. I don't even know this I anime. Think actually... Ben sort of touched on on the, a similar Sh- reason. Shinsekai no Yori, you don't know that? I'm, I'm no, certain you talked it. about it. Andy, you're lying because you've actually criticised <laughs> this in the past. Yeah. I've, I've actually remembered yeah. you going, isn't that the one where it's really has a really porny manga? And the answer is yes, the manga yep. is yes. really Well, that's porny. also a good thing to guess just in general with him. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that for literally anything we've mentioned besides maybe Honestly, Legend I feel of like, Heroes. I feel like it's usually the opposite. The manga is less porny because the, the anime has to like focus on it and pan over the tips and all that. <laughs> that's true you got me there John although in, in, in this case it is fundamentally co- very much desexualized comparative to the manga which mm-hmm. is a little bit porny and they have definitely toned down and made far more reserved the character design it, it's a more rough less um, the, the, the manga is kind of traditional sort of anime faces whereas the 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 anime's a bit more uh bit more rough and i think the thing is from the new world is a really good example of that the most important element of sci-fi is not just what if it's the therefore it's like mm-hmm. starting with one idea and then fully exploring the consequences of that and it takes as its central thing something which pops up in anime all the time like kids have psychic powers now and like normally that's just okay hijinks or coming of age tale or excuse to do spectacular battle all things in this case it's okay how does this completely rewire society and how does this new power structure uh, affect people not just individually but systematically um and it's just like this really strange time skipping beat to it as well so you'll 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 meet them as kids and then people fade out of their lives and and you and initially the feeling is okay that's just people you meet people they leave your lives but in this case it there's something more more troubling and more disturbing about that that it takes something which all of us have like this this idea of people coming in and out of our lives and makes that into a a what if the reason you have never seen that person again is because something's happened to them not just because they've moved moved village or whatever it's it's very has a, a great little ending and some 
I don't know. The, the only other thing I'd say is, is, and this is a very niche way of describing it, is, is it's the greatest Skaven versus Tzinch long play battle report ever. <laughs> yeah, that is going to appeal to maybe like 0.5% of our audience, but <laughs> fair enough. Us. Warhammer references. Yeah, I'm sold on it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always heard good things. Like, the people who like it, like, really like it for good reasons. It's just the sort of thing where, like, I pull up the official like marketing materials and blurb and I'm like, Oh, this sounds bad. And the people <laughs> talk about what it's actually about. I'm like, Oh, that sounds good. And then I have to go, you know, pull it up on Crunchyroll, And it's like I mean, psychic kids in the far field. And I'm like, Oh no. I, I guess the way I'd, I'd specifically sell it to Ben is it's, um, scum's scum's wish set no, in the oh future <laughs> with, um, a little bit of, um, lost in the wilds and battlefield tactics thrown in on top of it. <laughs> and so it's a, gr- a guerrilla war with horn teenagers you just hurt me you hurt me like deep yeah. in my heart saying all that's of that not, that's not john's jam at all <laughs> no anyway from the new world is fantastic and also extremely heavy mm. and if you watch it you will not come out happy <laughs> it also has i think my favorite ed of the entire decade so it just has like this fantastically yeah uh, catchy and uh drawn ed to it which is just worth watching if you just want to get a, a, a just a quick taste without bothering with the whole thing which would be a mistake but still okay well next is one of mine with five points i have your lion april mm. well only one person sort of put Speaking of heavy, yeah, I was surprised at this too. I thought you didn't. I thought that was not your, your like one of your favorites. No, I've always respect. I've always respected what your line April's doing. I just think it's very sad, and I don't think I have your like. I don't enjoy when an anime makes me cry. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that oftentimes crying will be a byproduct of a, of extremely good writing and characterization, mm. but like it crying on its making me cry on its own like was not as much of a recommendation. But when I had to go back to it. Um, for the music episode, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. you think that it, you th- you think that it's this like cheesy thing again, corny cheesy. Uh, this young man gives up something he loves uh, because of personal trauma until a vibrant and eccentric woman comes into his life and help helps reconnect with the original reason he loved doing it in the first place. Uh, you can imagine uh, post Scrubs Zach Braff and pre Black <laughs> Swan Natalie Portman in it, uh, but. Your line April really shows us the best form of that uh, because it, it's so manifestly in love with the the practice and performance of music, how it how how someone plays the violin can embody the spirit uh, of of their playing and how that spirit can be conveyed to the people that are listening and just the whole dynamic of how uh, Kosei's piano inspires Cowrie's violin and then years later uh, Cowrie's violin inspires Kosei's piano again in a, a medium that is probably way too in love with childhood experiences. <laughs> uh, this one really does uh, say like, do the things you love, do the things that you're good at. And then that bring happiness to other people, even if it's got a sad ending in the end, because it is a, a pretty sad anime. I think. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that always struck me, I mean, I really like the show uh, a lot. Just didn't, was this one on my shortlist? Yes, it was actually. Uh, <laughs> the thing that always hit me most about it, in in like a this is a weird kind of way, is that like I think more than any other anime I watched before this, at least, uh, it 
the little kids talked more and felt and thought more like adults than anybody else and it probably felt especially weird because it was such an like an adult situation as opposed to like i don't know the fucking battle shonen where, where dudes <laughs> waxing philosophical all the time because that's what cool battle shonen protagonists do or whatever uh like these kids were very mature for their age. They were like what, eleven or twelve or something, right? Something maybe like maybe fourteen at the oldest middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very sad. Very good. I liked it. Yeah. I also, I I have a soft spot for good use of music in in anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, and this is the unsexy unsexy music that is classical music. Yeah. Uh, is there is they're not playing like they're cool like <laughs> pop rock orchestrations they're playing like Shostakovich and Tchaikovsky like it's not mm-hmm. it's not it's definitely bringing the audience to where the music is rather than trying to sell it as anything mm-hmm. um, and granted part of that is having a main character who's like a rebel violinist who like goes off the sheet music and is, the judges hate her but <laughs> oh my know. god she's off the chains how dare she yeah it's you can't hold this violinist back Sorry. I always appreciate how anime, and you can probably tell this from how many anime I've watched that are like cute girls doing blank things. Like I always want to have something <laughs> like girls and pants that just is like, here, I'm going to sit you down, be entertained by the cute girls. I'm going to explain to you why tanks are cool. And mm-hmm. I think your line April does that, but without re- leaning as heavily on the cute girls doing them as, as you know, most of the other stuff I watch. And so I really enjoy an anime that in addition to doing a childhood kind of a childhood romance thing also it's just like and this is why playing classical music is pretty cool so it had to be on my list as far as i was concerned mm-hmm. duncan mm-hmm. in this corner of the world with five points oh damn it andy Aww. you yeah. you got me got me to watch this i thought you'd you'd vote for it too he voted he nominated it four times during our our uh, spotlight pitching segment you'd think it'd and be i'm on very here. glad he did because it's it's fantastic it's yeah. like I mean, like I, I think we've gone for two anime in a row, which which are proper tearjerkers. Because like, mm-hmm. like what rewatching this when when we 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 did our show on it, I was just like, <laughs> and it's I don't know. I know that on some levels, it stories which are that um, emotional are. Difficult to evaluate just because they also almost overwhelm you. But in this corner of the world is is such an interesting sort of groundedness to the tale which it tells. Like it's how the sort of mundane things which make up life persist in the face of the the horrific both on a societal and individual level like how when literally the world war ii is going on all around you and where hiroshima is is literally around the the corner of the bay that you can have someone whose human desire just to to be loved create and to to belong and to be loved and to be part of a family mm. are still the things which dominate their lives and that's like above all else that like forgiveness can persist even amongst like great tragedy and loss and yeah it's just a Something which I I like a lot in my anime, which will come up again, is like I like something which has a sense of community and family. And in this corner of the the world, as its title suggests, does a really great job of 
locating its cast within a specific place and time and interlocking them together. No, I agree completely. I think that yeah. uh, taking the power of the slice of life presentational format and grounding it so, so heavily in the day-to-day business of living in a country under war uh, and un- under literal siege from from the air is incredibly powerful. And from beginning to end, I think it's an engrossing movie. I, that's an excellent pick. I was going to say it's getting a, uh, and a, a not a remake, but a, a re-release with a additional, I think, about twenty-five minutes of um, footage from the, uh, which has been done to cover parts of the manga which were not adapted. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, lo- a longer a version which focuses on uh, one of the minor characters more, yeah. which I, I'm sure will be. Easy. Yeah. So if you, yeah, I wonder about that. If it's in the cinema. There's, it's a rare chance to catch it. Well, it's coming out on Netflix uh, in the beginning end of this month. Oh yeah. Um, I, I also would just say it's it's a film where you hear read the synopsis and you're like, oh, it's about Hiroshima. This is going to be a fucking laugh a minute. But you know, it does actually have a lot. It's not complete misery. It's mm. actually there's a lot of like really fun stuff. It's funny. There's a lot of great characters, and it's uh, yeah, it's a really enjoyable watch. Um, I don't know why I didn't put it on my list. <laughs> The joy of these lists yeah. is discovering all the holes you had in your list like, that you didn't Like, the final thing I'll, I'll say is something which Andy just sort of made me think of is that one thing it deals with well is that how individual tragedy can strike someone far stronger and far harder than um, mass societal tragedy, even if they're... Yeah. That, that idea that you will feel huge loss and guilt and... and sadness over things which you had no control of Mm. yeah and then also that feeling of loss as well like not just personal loss but also like national loss of them sort of losing a war that they thought that they were definitely going to win and they were fighting for the right reasons like when they that final scene I actually found was not only kind of heartbreaking but I thought was really interesting like Mm. their reaction to a war that you know we always hear from our side of the our side being like yeah well obviously we're going to win because we're the best ones and it's always ones of heroes whilst really theirs is sort of not that and i found that really powerful yeah. as well yeah being being told that all your sacrifices have been vain basically yeah and it's it's just not a story that i think you would really hear or that something that like that sort of loss is something that people wouldn't really want to sort of mm-hmm. d- dwell on i guess i don't know it, that Personally, for me, I found that even uh, more just, yeah, just really great. Cool. Well, next, the final selection with five points and very much in keeping with the theme of the previous two. Jeff, why don't you tell us about Konosuba, God's blessing on this wonderful <laughs> world? <laughs> God damn, Ben. This, uh... was on my, this was on my shortlist <laughs> as well. I mean... Is this? Am I the only one who had this in my top ten? You're the only one well, who only one said about that it. was one of the ten, the ten greatest anime to be made this decade. Well, I mean, it's the ten that I liked the most in the last decade. That's my yeah, criteria. That's, fine. That's, 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 what, that's my criteria too. Like that's 
Obviously, minus ten chosen from a list of fifty that I like the most. <laughs> so this is a show that is, oh, it's it's everything dumb and tacky that I on paper don't like about anime, but this show somehow gets away with all of it. Like even when it just gets real gross and shows its ass, it's like I still come back for more, and I don't know why. And it just is <laughs> some kind of weird alchemy of just you know likable characters and jokes that actually land and. Just you know, I don't know. I don't know. I I can't. I I don't know how to defend it being number six on my list. But <laughs> so I refuse. I know that's what we're doing here. But go it to is, hell. It's good. <laughs> it is good. Like I I have to confess, I watched the movie and I was really worried because I watched it in a cinema, which is not a place you want to see the kind of super movie at. Nope. Like, no. It's nope, a nope. definite a home watch. But like, uh, you know, I I did laugh at everything, and even this like horrific trans scene that transploitation scene or whatever that Ben was going on about I was like oh is that it I thought there'd be more but then it sort of came and went and then I was like okay maybe this is just me like I just this I was anime like, is so oh, short sure-footed that it that like if, if if a joke doesn't land it shocks you because I feel like Konosuba gets so close to cross the line so many times and it very rarely does cross the line just because its protagonist is a shithead his <laughs> friends are all idiots the world sucks and is stupid it's it's just a it's a race to the bottom and so for there just to be like a tasteless joke where there is no wink to the audience like we know this one's tasteless and it's because Kazuma sucks uh, was kind of shocking to me with the movie mm-hmm but I, I thought I thought the whole thing was kind of tasteless anyway. I actually thought that the the quality of the an- the insane thing about the movie is that the quality hasn't changed at all. Like not even the animation quality, not even the directorial style. It was all just as terrible as the original series, and that could be viewed as a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But like you'd expect for there to be a bit more budget in the anim- in the movie than there was what was on the screen they even still had the same stupid like Konosuba cuts and I'm just like like you know when it's like splashing Konosuba and then it like yeah. moves to this yeah. and it's like why are you doing that in a movie like what the what the, what the fuck but that I, is a bit weird it, it's to let you know the joke is over yeah, yeah exactly and, and the next scene is to happen and sometimes it worked like with the weird sort of like orc rape scene um, that was I guess kind of funny but then they did it again with like another I don't know there was like two scenes that didn't land to me but um, maybe that's because I was at a cinema but I didn't find that everybody else was like yeehaw let's have a hoot and toot good time and watch this again I was just <laughs> everyone was just pleasantly amused and then moved on to the next joke I didn't get the sort of cajoling that you got in your cinema experience Ben mm. yeah. but I also feel that the trans joke it was like one scene I felt like no yeah, but there, it could have been zero scenes. It's very easy. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. Uh, and I, I will also say that again, you know, maybe it's just the fact the show speaks to my dumb brain. But like, I when I got salty that there wasn't any Konosuba showings in Canada, so I read the book, and then I just kept reading reading the books. And oh, there, there, there's something there that speaks to me, and I can't recommend reading those books because they're not very good. But <laughs> it's definitely in the top ten of my shows for the 2010s no it, it's good it's just the one show that i find myself wanting to recommend to people and then mids is just like why are you oh. recommending that show andy <laughs> it's it's bad and i'm like yeah but you like it and she's like yeah i do it's a funny show but you can't recommend it to normal people because it's 
just it's got so much wrong with it that even if you do peel behind that grimy surface for the good good like comedy shit which it has in its like boatloads mm-hmm. still a hard recommend uh, a hard sell for anyone who's not already pretty averse to let's face it pretty schlocky anime etchy garbage uh, so you know that's yeah. that's my stance whatever yep. I love it I love Konosuba I can't say no to it but it wasn't on my top well speaking of schlocky garbage that you can't say no to Andy yeah uh-huh. with six Hi. points Jojo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> look I I unequivocally <laughs> love everything that Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is doing I for me it, this is again like Bet Jeff said this is a personal list of your own personal loves and I read Jojo thinking this will never come out over here and then it fucking like as an anime and then it did and I just adored it I thought Phantom Blood like they had such reverence and love for the original source material and then it moved on and like every arc has been an absolute joy to rewatch and to rediscover all the characters I know and love and remember why exactly I fucking love them like Part four was badly animated, but still great. And part five was better animated and, again, was even better in my eyes. But I know that I'm rare in the fact that I like part five a lot. Um, (laughs) Probably because there's a stand called The Grateful Dead, but I don't think that's just it. And, you know, whatever. Like I think think JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is an absolute um, steamroll of a show. And it's fairly meme-worthy, which I think... It's fine. Like I, I don't mind that you're making <laughs> memes out of good stuff, and I can understand why that will detrit, detract you from a show if you just think it's full of memes. But I actually think that, like, as a shonen show, it is the only show that's existed in like the generations of sh- of a- of shonen anime that has come out all the way from like Fist of the North Star up to where we are currently and just like looking at every single arc individually you can see sort of like the trajectory of shonen shows as it continues and i find that that is actually kind of fascinating to to watch uh again i i love that i love jojo's bizarre adventure unequivocally love it um, so yeah, definitely deserved that spot in my top ten anime of 2010s. Anyone else have some JoJo boosting to do? Jeff, John, <laughs> I am a I'm a big I'm a big fan of JoJo. I'm a big fan of the idea of JoJo. I think <laughs> as as a show, I think there's just too much of it. I think it's a it 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 badly needs a skip list. Um, I think there there are some low lows. What lows? Uh, especially, I mean, like especially Stardust Crusaders, which is like the most famous arc by far. But I think it's also like the weakest. And it's, it's it's a hard slug. I don't blame Ben for dropping it. Um, I <laughs> I agree. But but the highs are so high that like I mean my favorite arc of all JoJo's is still in Stardust Crusaders. I still love fucking Darby the Gambler. Like, me liking that episode maybe like an entire other show <laughs> just based on, like, you know, scraping the resin out of the, like, the good feelings pipe from that episode. I'm talking about Kakaguri. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there is that. I mean, Stardust Crusaders is, 
is definitely the weakest. I mean, it's definitely the most beloved, but it's definitely the weakest. But then it is also a testament to how great those characters are when they do appear in subsequent seasons and you're just like, oh, Polnareff, I fucking love you. Or like, <laughs> oh, Jotaro, you're the best. And, and you know, it's one of the few shonen shows that really is not afraid to A, kill off its characters and B, like, show people getting old. Like, part four, when you see Jonathan, uh, not Jonathan, um... Joseph. Joseph, as like this really old man who's losing his marbles, losing his way, and that's really heartbreaking for me when I first read that. Like this character that I love, and you see in his prime youth, like this young man, like kicking the shit out of um, ACDC and cars, and then you see him as like this old, frail guy who can't do anything. He can't even like see his son or talk to his like his son uh, i think that was really heartbreaking you don't see that kind of show stuff in anime and to be fair they don't really dwell on it that much in the anime as well but the fact that it was even there i thought was like really good i don't know jojo i adore unequivocally adore it's good <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as people say during certain parts like part five's really <laughs> A valley part three <laughs> is like sort of like a mountainous region where it goes up and down and up and down just over and over part four is the best but anyway uh the geography of jojo it's good <laughs> i want i want more there's there's i think season five must be confirmed by now it's, it's season six it yeah i know what you meant but i don't think it is no. <laughs> they've talked about they've mentioned it but they haven't confirmed it people uh, fucking love jojos they won't stop it well, I mean, I thought they previewed the uh, OP for that or something. If they did, I completely missed it, but I don't think so. Okay. There's, I think there's been like a, a key visual leaked somewhere or something. There's something out there for sure. It might be. It might be just complete fan art. Like the JoJo adoration is is insane. Um, I mm-hmm. I do think that it's an incredible show. Um, but I I'll f- I, don't know. I will I will forever think it's a shame that Ben dropped part three because part I'm not four dropping is just it, a just million times a million like times the better. Past five years. Yeah. Okay. You dropped it. Quiet. This hey, is the one show space. you've ever I'm dropped about in your to life. Space Brothers. So you can. <laughs> yeah, that, that show is perfect. So it, um, it's disgusting. Where that it is it on you your so list, long. John? Uh, let's see uh, oh that's uh, one of the top three fuck you no it's not it's one of the three I gave you no it's not I think you're thinking of a different show that begins with space oh is it am I yeah oh yeah okay <laughs> again it was on my short list that I literally randomly picked ten from so I, total short you know right I right. did not my short list was 25 long and I have it if you want to fucking see it later Andy <laughs> unlike the rest of you I don't find any uh, any ability in myself to rate things I just like them or I don't like them and my favorite's <laughs> gonna change on a daily basis literally well we'll keep going through what your current like preserved and amber Jurassic Park favorites are uh, but for me at least we're moving to uh, the second uh, with six points uh, and that is Chihayafuru and I can't believe that I'm the only person to pick this, but I think some people apparently just hate sports anime. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I didn't pick it is because another show that's going to be talked about later was already on, and it felt weird to have both, even though I, there's another show on my list that seems oddly close to another show, and now I'm getting just really vague and literal. I just got this whole thing, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, as far as I understand it, the pleasure of watching a sports 
anime is knowing what's going on enough to understand what the stakes are. And if that's true, and I'm not a sports person, so I can't say for sure that it is, but Chihayafuru is at a distinct disadvantage because Karuta is an obscure game made even more obscure by its reliance on a collection of poems that are almost 900 years old. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the big reasons for why Chihayafuru pulls it off um, is because it has an extremely charismatic trio of protagonists. Chihaya, Arata, Taichi are all geniuses at Karuta, but geniuses in different ways. Uh, and they each have their own understanding of the mix of head and heart and gut that is poetry. Uh, but that's actually what I like the most about Chihayafuru, uh, because Karuta is not only about the strategic positioning of cards and the tactical decisions on when and where to strike, but on the auditory experience of hearing poetry read, the interdependent relationship between syllables, how long it takes to recognize what poem is being read, the way that the tone and tenor of a reader's voice literally alters the reading of a poem. And so Chihayafru is great not only for how it depicts a young woman growing into a sort of overriding passion, obsession even, but for how it teaches me and the rest of its audience to think about poetry while also watching a pretty like sweet duel off sort of sports anime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Got it in one. Yeah. <laughs> one and done. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you and it was almost on my list and <laughs> <laughs> for all those reasons, basically like, and then you just had, had to make room for Konosuba. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not that's not fair. <laughs> People are just guilting each other now. <laughs> there, there's a couple of shows on my list that are stand-ins for like others of the genre that I couldn't justify having multiples of, and mm. this this was like definitely on my list in spirit. Um, <laughs> I th the fact that it pulled me through now like 50 plus episodes and you know less than a couple of months on the strength of an obscure card game that most people just play for fun on New Year's uh, speaks volumes. Like, I, you know, I don't know anything about the, the poems. I don't know anything about the game. I, you know, I barely understand the language, but the strength of the characters, the strength of the arcs, the strength of the directorial decisions just makes it an eminently watchable show. And I would, without hesitation, recommend it to people because it's also very nice that it isn't gross or horny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you get with a, a kind of more shoujo-leaning sports anime, yep. uh, which we'll be talking about again soon. Not that soon, actually, <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, well, since you've got your voice all warmed up, Jeff, with six points, why don't you tell us about my teen romantic comedy snafu? Wow, I'm surprised it made it this high up. Um, so well, you put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on my list. I didn't think it was on anybody. We, ha we haven't had anyone else. We are we are three away from our first overlap. We'll probably cut for Jeez. break and then come back to our first overlap. Oh wow! All right, so um, I talked about this show at length not one episode ago, and all of those things are still true. I think it is a great like it starts off very nicely as like sort of a you know a tropey goofy like harem show, but it's like it's the care that they put into the characters that keeps me coming back like every sort of you know throwaway character that's just you know shows up as a joke in the first couple of episodes comes back they get depth they get texture and it's also a show that 
has a lot to say, but I think does a pretty good job of keeping the voices of the characters believable for their ages that they are. And the fact that, you know, I think the a lot of the plights of the characters depicted is going to be relatable and it also does not and it and it 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 doesn't do a perfect job of just immediately dispelling everybody's you know bad thoughts because that's not how the world works like you have to live with those things for a long time and you know it also does a nice job of sort of hinting at the regrets that people can have later in their life if they don't figure these things out early and you know this is a you know this is a thing that speaks to me, you know in some ways, and and yeah it's just, it it's a show that hit me deep and I, it's like you know from you know from an objective standpoint I can't really defend it as being like one of the top ten things from the last decade but for me personally I love it and I'm looking forward to there being more. Cool, yeah I think that like on the edges of your positive critique are just are just the things that I found difficult about it just like the hinting and the obscurity and oftentimes the the failure to like have full payoffs for stuff but there is a lot that I like about it and I think that in general its premise is very smart and it might be the sort of thing where when I was originally watching working I was really resentful that it was just all these characters moving in circles with maybe infinitesimal progress and then once they finished the show and the characters had payoffs i came back and like liked the first two seasons a lot more and i really wonder if that's how it's going to be with snafu where like all the payoffs will be in the third season i feel like and in the meantime the story about the guy for whom being kind of a an asshole loner is not a superpower like it is in every other anime Mm -hmm. out there so yeah i mean i definitely rolled my eyes when this was on your list but I mean, it's it's fair. You like it for good reasons, I think. <laughs> As opposed to everyone else who likes it for bad reasons. As opposed to all y'all's garbage choices. <laughs> speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of one of the worst anime ever made. Hi, kidding, Andy. obviously. It'll, be, it'll become clear in just a second. Uh, John, why don't you tell us about Hyoka? Uh, worst? No, it was a joke. I said it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> No, Hyoka's great. I've, I've like, had a, a bit of a moment like trying to figure out, like, can I fit this on my list? And I couldn't bump anything off for it. But I like Hyoka a lot. I think Jeff yeah, likes like, it a lot, too. I like Hyoka yeah. a lot. And you did talk about it a while back, and I haven't watched it since I first watched it. But uh, everything that you said when you talked about it is why I like it. Yeah. Go back and listen <laughs> to that episode, guys. Yeah. It's good. We talked about Slice of Life as, like, historical context in in this corner of the world. And I think slice of life, like mystery club that are actually like these pretty impressive kind of solve it on your own at home. Kids mysteries and Hyoka, I think is the reason that I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. I like, I like mysteries, but I don't think that's a shock to anyone here. Um, (laughs) And I like chill shows and I don't think that's a shock to anyone here. (laughs) This is both of them. And also it's Kyoto animation. So it looks fucking wonderful the whole time. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Yes, and the characters are really well like done too. They all like everyone has their own special power without it basically coming off as like a Sentai team or something. Yeah. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. got the good memory and there's the girl who's like curious and they'll keep going at yet. Yeah, so so it is just kind of like really well done and it's a shame there's not more of it, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I really want more and I really really want more. <laughs> yeah, there's hardly any more source material even, which is also a big shame cuz and none of it's translated. Well, hey, listen, we we got a season 3 of Chihaya Food. One day we'll get a season yeah, 2 of Yeah, I mean anything's yeah. possible after a 5 year gap. <laughs> 
there. So, so yeah, Kyoka or ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You, that's a big spoiler right there. My God. Nobody knows what it means. If they <laughs> no one knows what it means. Jesus. It wasn't a spoiler until you called it out, Jeff. It could just be our nonsense garbage. Like it's beneath. still not a spoiler because they wouldn't have any idea what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so our last uh next one after this breaks our run of one people one person picking one anime uh but for our only show with seven points duncan why don't you tell us about ping pong the animation oh boo who would pick it (laughs) what the fuck okay ping pong is my favorite uasa which is to no one else i think <laughs> no i think but, a lot of people's favorite uasas is ping pong i don't think you're the only I one i think so too it's just here in in, our, in this more discerning group yes oh, yeah of, of uasa snobbery the, where we're really inspecting every uasa film just, with a fine tooth i mean i love uasa he's probably my favorite director yeah uh, animation, animator uh, and i think ben agrees ben loves the uasa yeah, he definitely it's his uh one time we got a fight over it. who liked him more. I haven't more. seen it. So. Sometimes Can't. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Ben, just shut up about Yuasa, right? We get it. <laughs> Masaaki Yuasa. <laughs> it is the show which pairs down what he is best at to its bare bones and just does that. doesn't do anything more. And what Yuasa is great at is... Uh, converting the the emotional and the kinetic to the vid the visual he can take the impact of a ball hit in a bat and distort the way he is depicted of that figure and convey the the whole the way a person's weight shifts as they're uh, leaning stretching to reach something and the way the that desperation makes you can heighten in a moment and ping pong allows him to do all of those in a situation where it's just one one two people standing across from each other there's nothing else to distract from it he can just animate the human body and human emotions and just focus wholly on that in a way which is just masterful and i think it's also just a show which has a a, a good sense of the emotional growth of all its cast even even its villains its its heel turn mm-hmm. players get uh wonderful arcs and I, I think one which stood out at the time was they there's a, a chinese ringer called uh kong who comes in who is like this um brought in as as just to to be, to be the the person who just wins prestige for his, his his school, but we get all this. Ex- Normally, he'd just be like, "Oh, this is the the evil guy here to to do it." But instead, we get all this stuff about his him being a prodigy who's forced away from home at an early age, and him reconnecting with his teammates in a foreign country through cookery and karaoke. And it's just like they they do all these these things about um sport really well just the un- unrefined joy and uh the sheer adrenal experience of it and i just think it's outstanding for that which is and it, i think it's interesting because i actually think that again a very like common 
shonen sports anime slash yuasa trick is is you know really ping pong is is very little to do with the sport they don't even in the most sort of balls out fuck you move they don't even show the final match like well, you just see they them show the walk. first point of the final match yeah and but even then like i can't i don't like I don't even remember who wins because I don't think the point is it's not about who's winning. It's about the emotions and the characters that are around the final fight more than the actual like final match itself. And uh, I, I just think that that's so true with a lot of ping pong. Like the the characters are so beautifully like done and so well like animated and realised and. Like, occasionally I will try and find the OP because if we're talking about best OPs of, <laughs> yeah. of 2010... It is a great OP. It is incredible. It's the most Yuasa that you can ever ask for. It's got... Punk as fuck. It's punk as fuck. It's got, like, an incredible soundtrack. And then it's just got, like... The animation is blisteringly smooth at, like, a, a eye-wateringly gorgeous level. And then it's got stuff like real weird auteur decisions, like having it having a shot from the view of a fucking ping pong ball <laughs> like i don't know how many people have seen a like a pov ping pong shot but you know that op has one and it's incredible um yeah your ass is definitely a director who will move the camera within the frame a lot which is something animation allows you to do with absolute abandon if you have the bravery to do it <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think, again, also, like, that super sketchy, super, like, rough uh, art style that is through Ping Pong, which then carried him through a couple more, like Kit Kart, um, I actually thought really uh, worked well to sort of, like, just, just show, like, not the... I don't know. I just thought it worked really well in that style because especially that opening, you're, like, looking at it being, like, some shots, you're like, what's going on? Oh, it's a guy hitting a ball. Like, you know, it... It's good. It's a fucking good show. I love love me some ping pong. Just don't think it's the best you ask her. It is. It is. Mind game is the best one. Mm-hmm. Well, mind game's pretty good. See what you ask her ends up higher than it, if any you <laughs> does. I didn't put any on my list again, because random. Well, we'll find out. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break to freshen up and regain our spirits, and then we'll go into our multiplayer version of the list. With <laughs> ones that multiple people actually voted for. Sound good? All right. And we're back. Okay, now we go into lightning round. Just kidding. We go into the opposite of lightning <laughs> round. We go into stone round. <laughs> so, um, with four points from Andy and four points from Jeff, let's talk about ReZero, starting life in another world. I mean, that is the opposite of lightning round, stone round. I checked it out. It's in the big I know. I know Chinese, uh, <laughs> Chinese alchemy. Yeah. Nerds. Nerds. Uh, <laughs> wait wait me or the people who like ReZero yes <laughs> I, again I'm surprised this is not had more I, I think of all the isekais this is maybe the best one I believe John's direct quote about ReZero is it's one of the best 10 shows of the last decade yeah Probably. But just not one of your best 10 shows. It's on my short list. (laughs) (laughs) I will repeat again, because you all seem to not have picked up on this. I had a list, and I randomly picked 10. I cannot rank. I don't 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 underestimate the confidence in our system like that. I don't understand. You're all great. I'm the shit. I'm the little (laughs) shit. The shit bag. 
John, the shit usually doesn't mean I'm a bad person. <laughs> okay, that, I am the shit person. You are trash. Or are man. you like the Kill best as in AKA the shit? No, I'm the worst. The shiznit. So what <laughs> makes Ray Zero the shit? Ray Zero. Ray Zero. Ray Zero. <laughs> God damn it. Isn't that, her, isn't that one of the characters? That's what it is. Rem it's like Zero. Ray Zero. Rem Zero. Rem Zero. Regarding Zero. Wood <laughs> <laughs> Zero. I, I actually, well, I mean, I know, Jeff, you've, I think you've watched it all, right, recently. I have watched it all, yes. Mm-hmm. And me and Duncan have been watching the re-releases as they've been re-aired uh, this season in time for season two because it's been, like, a four-year gap mm-hmm. or five-year gap between Starting the two next seasons. next season. Yep. Yeah, I guess the popularity of Rem slowly waned over time and they're like, well... Now we've got to make more money, so we might as well pop out a second season. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I rewatching the first half. I it does a very great job of hiding everything that is relevant to the world and like to the law and the central universe, and just presenting you with Subaru and Emilia, and then it moves on to the castle with like. Uh, you know, with all with like the Rem and Ram, and then you got the uh, Betty. It's really good at slowly building up the stakes while also making the stakes yeah. incredibly intense at the very start. And then it does it does it does a really great job of doing that. It does a really great job of sort of um, reversing the traditional hero story of like I'm in the new world and everyone. I so therefore I must be the best and like. But then he can't tell anyone that he's the best, and he's actually not the best. Like you find out in a really. Uh, awkward and grueling episode like halfway mm-hmm. through that oh no super you're just a bit of a bit of a shit and then Amelia's like you're a bit of a shit like it's the best isekai of like the isekai generation and I will stick to that until something better comes along <laughs> 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 um, it really and you know it doesn't play anything doesn't play much for laughs so cut from a couple of like uh, small jokes to apart from a couple of small jokes well at the end it doesn't play it for last I guess but I think there's a lot to like the characterization is really great the world lore is really great and what I didn't appreciate when I was first that when I first watched it is that world lore is still very much present at the beginning as it mm. is throughout the whole show but they just do a really good job of, of not presenting that front loading you with that fucking lore like they do in like Record of Lodos War where they just like give you a five <laughs> minute like a ten minute sit down let's tell you about how this world is created and who's the big bad guy and who's the big good guy and you don't get any of that um, and I think that's really great I think that's actually like a, a really good way to do a fantasy anime anyway um, because you know it, and it does give you that fucking lore dump, but it gives you a point when you're actually invested in the world and its characters. Um, so I th- it's a minor thing, but I love that Sabu is still in his tra- tracksuit for about three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he still goes back to it. This is what I love. Like even when even when he gets his maid co- like his butler costume, he still goes back to like his his Subaru jacket and stuff. It's uh, mm. it's good. Um, yeah, I. I think it's pretty fantastic as a as a show, like as an isekai in general. Like, you you really can't do much better. Um, it really does make you love and care for the characters, and that yeah, at yeah. the end of the day is all you can really ask for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had some issues with the, like the the the, t- the pacing and the weird character design that, that 
was just like the anime ass anime specifically specifically with like rem and ram like i it took me a while for me to sort of appreciate what they were doing and the second half totally paid off the first half for me like i really really love the way the show like every like every so i mean like the basic concept of the show is that the main character comes to new world his special power is that when he dies he goes back to a checkpoint and gets to try again and eventually he will you know hit a flag and create a new checkpoint and you know usually you know that's associated with him like learning some kind of lesson about how the world works and how he's supposed to do things and the way the show sort of builds up on the trauma and builds up on his assumptions and then, you know, each arc sort of explodes them in a different way Mm. was really effective. And uh, definitely the show features one of the top five, like, anime heartbreaks of all time. Uh, And I can can definitely see why the show is beloved. And I am also, again, eager for more and... Yeah, it's de- definitely like I it it it's I was like really sort of like squeaking Konosuba and Rezero like up and down my list and just because of like the kind of rough opening for me uh was the only reason why it wasn't higher. Uh, mm. but yeah, it's 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 a fabulous show. I don't know, I think well, like I said going going back to it, I actually think that it's a it's a pretty good opening because it just it just focuses on basically the main two characters of the whole show, and then mm-hmm. um, what you get is is a very then sudden like as he moves on to the next arc, which I forget how long it is that he's stuck trying to figure out who's poisoning him and stuff. And and this is the other thing yeah. like he can't tell anyone about his mm-hmm. um, about his powers because then like this witch like. Go, comes around his heart like one of the evil witches that's put him in this world so it, it's got like that that again is like just a great sub like uh diversion of that genre it is the shittiest superpower yeah you, you can you can die congratulations <laughs> it's it is painful yeah and uh the, you technically you can't you have figured out a way you can bring it about uh uh on purpose but that's not going to be nice for you. And, uh... Yeah, like, it, at no point, like, there's so many, like, points where you sort of, like, you view it as a viewer and you're just like, oh, just die. Just just fucking die and, and you'll go back and it'll be fine. You can just do this shit route again. But then, like, he says, like, it's like, but dying hurts and dying is actually not <laughs> what I want to do. And also, yeah. like, I don't know when this power's going to run out. It, it might stop. I might never come back. Like, who the fuck knows? So, like, that sort of... That fear that death brings of the unknown is also what has compelled... Like, compels him not to do stuff and, and to not, like, just feel like... I'm just going to... I mean, eventually, I think he does once, doesn't he? He's just like, I'll save you in the next time, and then jumps off a cliff or something. But but even then, like, it takes a long time for him to get there. Yeah, even then, it's not him just, like, gaming the system. It's him, like, realizing that there's things he cares about more than staying alive. It's it's fantastic. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Great anime. Yeah. Uh, well well worth a watch if you, if you guys have not watched it already. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, back to single choices. Uh, Duncan, mm. with eight points, you picked Mushishi. Technically, Mushishi Zoku Show, since the original Mushishi was years before. But in general, just talking about the Mushishi franchise. Yeah, this was my number. This was my number three. That feels like you're cheating. 
<laughs> what, because it's technically... Like, so, like, JoJo wasn't cheating because none of those ever occurred outside the, the noughties either. Well, no, because JoJo was a complete reboot, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, seasons one, two, three, and unlike or the original Chi- anime, Chihaya which... Or which, Legend well, of the Galactic Chihaya Heroes, or... Yeah, but he was only talking... No, Chihaya Fu was all of, se- of 2010. What are you talking about? Yep. What's it? Yeah, Chi Food started in 2010. No, we agreed, we agreed about this, Andy. Like, you're allowed to talk about the whole franchise if there was a substantive entry during the decade, which is exactly what we did. Well, I would have picked Mosisi. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, we can still talk about it now, can't we? So, Mushushi is just a, a a masterwork, I I think, and that's why I put it my my third choice. I like I think fundamentally its entire concept is we're going to take something internal externalize it and give it life which is almost like the very definition of what anime does like you're you're taking these emotions and you're making these creatures of them and it and it just that conceit is so strong and the art style is so perfectly executed so strange and yet um, fascinating that it just is compelling in, in viewing and like it creates this this world where you have these strange organ it has like this little speech about what Mushishi are at the start of an episode where they're not like they're not quite plants they're not animals or fungus they're something deeper more fundamental and strange Closer to the root of life, I think they they say like it's they're these fundamental expressions of life of and like it's just the fact that it can take these fun these things and make them like fundamental expressions of emotions and like just allows it to have some of the most devastating single arc stories that I think just i can think of in any me- media like what, the thing which like astounds me about it is like most most of mushushi's arcs are a single or or at most two episodes I, I i john you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think there's only like three or four episodes which are multi-episode most of them are just a si- single one and yet it manages to build such strong characters in that time and to say such profound things about the way their lives have been shaped by these strange creatures and how it has made them act and what it says about their their basic humanity from it yeah i i just can't say say enough it's just a a, a, a profoundly it it is the very def, definition of of magical realism and yeah yeah I don't know. What, do you want to say something, John? <laughs> nope, you got it all. <laughs> does the second season continue that trend, or does he think it is worse, or I do you mean, think it's exactly I, the same? It continues it. In my opinion, the second season has higher highs and lower lows. It's less consistently yeah, that's, good. That's, that's probably true. I, I think it has maybe my... One of the reasons it's ended up so high in my list is it maybe has my favorite single episode of anime ever, um, which is... Um, it has a story about a, a a lightning child, and I just like that. Ha- that story has like just is so strange. It's it's about sort of um, postpartum depression, like a, a mother who uh, like 
doesn't want their, her son and how she sort of is pushing him away and like, like how th- th- that strange world old makes him feel like she starts seeing him as like not her child but at at the same time her guilt around that and his want for a, a mother and like all these very real things in this strange supernatural context and like yeah it, it just does that that brilliantly and taking a, a very real thing and then just slightly weaving it into this strange world and yeah it's just mm. great cool you all should have picked it bad people bad people <laughs> I didn't realize there was a Mushishi in this decade, so I didn't. <laughs> there's two, because there's uh, the, like, extra long episode, and then there's Zoku Show. Yeah. Because it had been, I think, the the previous series was 2007 or something. Yeah. So it was like, a, I think they came back 2014? Yeah, so a seven-year wait. So I, th- I think that's a long enough... Yeah, beats Chihayafru. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, back to a two-parter. Uh, we with eight points, three from Duncan, five from John. We have Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. Hey, it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a period piece about a guy who does Rakugo. Rakugo being a type of traditional stand-up comedy or sit-down comedy. Sit-down comedy, please. <laughs> do, they, do they make that joke in the anime ever? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. That'd be a bad idea. So it's like what Bill Cosby did comedy-wise and not whoa, outside of it. <laughs> whoa. Well, I mean, I don't really know how we got here. I will say that uh, like, the reason, one of the reasons that this show is on my list is it's one of the few shows I, I can think of where it has made the characters fundamentally selfish and weak throughout and lets us see them coming to their worst instincts and yet somehow in the end being sympathetic and for- forgivable and like it it uses as its context for that like as as John was saying Rakugo which is this sit down storytelling and it, it uses that to show how we are constantly telling ourselves little lies to make life easier and how the best stories can and comedy can satirize that and and humanize those small acts of hypocrisy that people don't talk about. And I, uh, I think it has this wonderful um, symmetry between like the the hypocrisy of their lives and the, the, and the stories they tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I I I have watched uh, I've watched some of it, uh, and yeah, it, it's good. Also, it's interesting that it's sort of like goes through world war Two and then also explains some of the um steadfasts of rakugo like how it's created and its origins and then it's also like there's some fun stuff about like the forbidden rakugo and all this kind of stuff uh mm. it's good yeah it has has like this this very idea of a an oral storytelling form trying to adapt to um rate at first radio and then television and how mm. like something like that can reinvent itself and reconnect with a new generation of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For instance, by making an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that there is a lot of concern, at least from what I know of Rakugo, which is largely from Joshi Raku. But <laughs> like it is a dying a kind of a dying art that has to be like sustained by the state and doesn't really have a great following. So it is interesting to kind of just have this 
anime that takes place, I believe, shortly after kind of like the peak of Rakugo's modern relevance and popularity mm-hmm. as it is actually beginning its decline. There's a lot of stuff I've been reading about like that in Japan lately, like not just performance arts, but also like things that are, you know, specific to a tiny region of Japan that like produces some sort of specific art or whatever. But because the you know small town life is dying, all that stuff is going away. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah, Rakugo's not probably not in that much danger because yeah. there will always be someone, and it's a lot easier to share, you know. But I think in a weird way, he, like it's actually the sort of a version of it has developed on online now. Like, um, I don't know if any of you know there was like a, a guy called Pros AD who was like a mm. uh, does like skits. And he plays all the all the characters in them, and like Rakugo is is really similar because you'll have one man playing all the characters within the story he's telling, and like I think there's maybe a future for it in online, but in a very strange, distorted manner. So on on TikTok, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> TikTok Rakugo. What's the new one? Bite. Who yeah. knows? But I I think like the way, the reason that this anime is is you just blew me off off my feet the first time I saw it was just the sheer um, range of expression they managed to put in the the central storyteller's face like he just has these brilliant mm. faces where he's, he's just like grinning wickedly and then and looking quizzically and, and like you, this utterly different character within the same recognizable person and it's like yeah, that's just in a uh, in a genre where sometimes it's okay. I can determine which character is which by who has a different hairstyle. For the same person to have all this range with him in is just amazing, and I absolutely love it. Mm. It's a show where like <clears throat> they put enough detail into the performance of the character that like the the moments where they're actually sitting on stage performing Rakugo are far more dramatic than a lot of I don't know battle shown fights and you can like they animate the sweat dripping off of somebody's face as he's like <laughs> trying to fight against his nerves and, and tell the story properly and all that and it's really good it's a really good show yeah yeah no completely agree cool well we have a run of single picks all of these were people's number two so starting out with nine points Andy tell us about Non Non Biori it's it's my favorite anime ever. I absolutely no, it's not. It. It's literally um, not. It's your number two. You picked number two. <laughs> I I adore I adore Non Non Biori. I've said this before on previous podcasts. I think it's one of my favorite animes, and uh, I um, yeah, I I just love relaxing and watching and sitting back and being completely immersed in the sort of peaceful countryside that is in Non Non Biori and. Uh, yeah, uh, in my rewatch, just uh, just reminded me how much I fucking love that show. Uh, yeah, I really, really, really enjoy it, love it, and I don't really have much more to say on it. I mean, it's the king of slice of life where nothing happens. Yeah, we have a couple other totally a couple other shows that uh, actually the next one coming up also like pretends to wacky slice of life, but slice of life nonetheless. But like, yeah, not on Biori. It's just like countryside little kids hanging out and even like the second season just like doubles back and it's the same timeline it's not even it refuses yeah, to progress sec- it just it just repeat and i think it's great i think it's really uh be- something quite beautiful in that i i don't know i just i really i understand why it's not everyone's cup of tea that's fine um but 
for me, I can just I was more than happy just to bask in it for another season. Just mm-hmm. the same characters that you know and love, and they don't grow up, and they just they just do nothing for another season. Like, <laughs> I think I think it's great. I have no problem with people doing nothing as long as there's something there. Also, like you know, the background animations are stunning. The visual, the like the animations that they have when there is animation and there is actually a lot of animation in the series it's great like you talk about some of the um sort of weirder jokes that are in K-On and like that ha- slapping that hand on the belly yes my most quoted joke from K-On <laughs> <laughs> like that joke is also in Non Non Biori um which I forgot so it's you know it's it's a show that has it's just very, very well crafted and it's sort of slice of life anime genre. And uh, I think there's something quite beautiful to it. Um, it's really not, it's really not worried also just to, just to sit you and just immerse you in like the beautiful art design and the color design, which they've spent an inordinate amount of time doing. Um, yeah, superb. Cool. Well, speaking of light comedy shows, Jeff, tell us about Nietzsche Joe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nichi Joe. I don't know if I remade this list today if it would be number two <laughs> on my list. I was surprised, yes. But I it would still definitely be in the top ten. Um it's a show that I watched for the first time all the way through a couple of years ago, but I have been watching it in drips and drabs for years and years and years and years. And it's it's almost like like Looney Tunes for me. Like I can watch <laughs> any any five minute chunk of Nichi Joe at any time and get as much joy from it as I got from the first time, which is which, which was a lot of joy and not like a weird backhanded compliment. I love the way that it flirts with uh, with experimentation. Like there is a you know there is a segment that's completely silent uh and just you know accompanied with uh classical music which again would that was what sort of locked in my uh my looney tunes comparison where like like the highs of that show are just so incredible i love the flat style i love the care and attention that kyoani gave it and it's just it's such a it's such a delightful delightful show like the only time it gets kind of tiresome is when they go way overboard with the like the one girl blowing up the like her like sundry crush with like weird otaku like military weaponry. But other than that, like the whole show is just it just hits on all cylinders like the whole time I can and yeah like I I will probably watch a bunch of clips after we're finished uh, <laughs> recording here just because it's on my mind now again. I, I just think, if anything, my only problem with Nichijou is that I think there's a lot of untranslatable puns that a lot of the episodes hinge on, like the little interstitial bits that I think don't really work when they've been not well translated or not translated at all. Some of them just don't work. But that's the only problem yeah. I have with that show. Yeah, you should never watch Sayonara and Zetsubo Sensei, because you're going to hate that one. <laughs> Which one's I? Zetsubo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm... I haven't watched it, but that's not the reason why. It's just like I don't know. I just I just found that if if I thought think what is funnier, I thought that high schools of daily life of high school boys is funnier, but it's a completely different mm, show. Interesting. Daily life of high school boys is a lot more grounded. I actually had this conversation with a friend very recently. So oh really? Uh, what yeah, was, it, what yeah. was it that you were saying? Daily lives of high school boys is a lot more grounded in reality, and each show's wacky and out there, and does a lot of crazy things that you would not see in real life, like a principal fighting a fucking deer. Yeah. Daily <laughs> lives of high school boys is about 
boys are like, my sister has some underwear. Let's put it on and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is fun. That is funny though. That to me that that is a funnier scene than the. Sure. Then, like that's why. But like you clearly like more grounded stuff. Like non non In this case, anyway, and that's probably also why you like non non biori. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, you like stuff that is nothing, and. <laughs> I didn't. I did, that sounded like an insult. <laughs> yeah, I'll say John. <laughs> it, it wasn't meant to be. You anyway. like stupid garbage shit. But, yeah. well, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say that I was wrong when I said that, but I will say that that wasn't what I meant to say. You didn't mean it to be mean. And <laughs> okay, this is the best transition. Speaking of stupid garbage shit, John, let's talk about space dandy. Okay. A dandy who is in space. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that was okay. It's a it's a good one. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so this is uh, definitely one of the ones that's like more outlandish because they like die in a few episodes or become zombies or they die. Well, they die every episode for the first three, don't they? Mm-hmm. They die a lot. Yeah. I don't know about every episode, but like there's two seasons and they die a lot and the story resets constantly and sometimes they don't even like reference previous stories. Like the whole idea is that it's an anthology series. It's just about this crew of like three or four people, if you include the 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 uh, boobies lady. From a, I think it's, I think that's the name of the restaurant is just boobies. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like space hooters. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, the lady from there sometimes shows up, also separate from the restaurant. Sometimes in the restaurant, doesn't matter. Um, every episode's a reset. Every episode is like different director, different animators. Sometimes like Yuasa does an episode, and mm-hmm. ironically, one of my least favorite episodes probably. It looks great, yeah, but but just story wise, story yeah, story wise, it was not the strongest. Is that the one with the planets with the holes in it? Was that the one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, the characters are fucking idiots, and it's they like they like one episode, one, one entire episode is about them trying to find like the best bowl of ramen, and so they like go through this. <laughs> They go through like a wormhole that leads to a black hole that leads to a planet where this dude is just running a stall by himself and nobody else is around and they get the ramen and then it's weird. It's a fucking weird show. And then there's an episode where they just don't they just like they just get transported back to like modern day and it's really dull. Isn't that a weird one? I don't remember that one. It's been a while though. Obviously, I haven't watched yeah. it since it aired. Um, there's one where yeah, they turn into zombies, like Ben said. There's one where they have a fucking dance contest and that that might be my favorite episode. Um, God, it's just, it's just really fun to watch, and I really did not like it the first time I watched it. Like the, I watched like the first six episodes, and I was like, "This is stupid. Nothing makes sense. It's not. I want to watch a story, but it wasn't a story." But then, you know, I rewatched it with eyes that weren't expecting something that it wasn't going to be, and fell in love. And <laughs> I want more. Honestly, I just want more. Yeah, which is interesting that you say that because it it got it was a lot. It was very heavily advertised, very heavily pushed, but then. Um, and like it was said, pushed there, as like the the next Cowboy Bebop basically is how they yeah. pushed it in America, and it's nothing nothing like that. No, I mean, not it, was at all. A, it was a bad way to introduce it. Yeah, people. absolutely terrible. Um, but but the the way that like there was a story because there was a break between the two seasons, mm-hmm. and I, and I wonder whether there was a sort of a push to have a story because those last few episodes do actually have a continuous story about him being in love with a fourth dimensional being. Yeah. I mean, there is technically a story. It's just that the story necessitates resetting every time because yeah. they're going 
every time a ep- new episode starts, basically, they're going to a, ne- a different alternate universe. And then the bad guys are trying to chase them constantly, like, to the next alternate universe over and over and over again. That's the story. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really... It's a good it's a good show, and I, I understand. I, but I do also understand... I understand what you're saying, but I also understand why people were really put off by it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go in expecting Cowboy Bebop, you're going to be deeply, deeply disappointed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is unfortunate, because as... As John pointed out, like that is how it was sold. It's like, hey, yeah. it's by the guy cow like Cowboy Bebop. Like that's how that's all we hear about Shinichiro Watanabe these days. Is like it's the Cowboy Bebop guy. Look what not Cowboy Bebop thing he's making. The thing is, it wasn't even him really. Yeah. Like he just had his name attached yeah. to it, and then every episode, like he directed a couple episodes, but most of the vast majority of the content he didn't touch. I think he was probably like lead director, but I don't think he really had a hand in most of it. I'm guessing. Yeah, it felt very much sort of like your old Cartoon Network cartoons where they just, you know, you just got a a, a base sheet of every character and then, a, you know, go yeah. do what you want. It's like Ed, Ed, and Eddie, but in space. <laughs> yeah, and they'll just get someone to look over it once, be like, yeah, I'm happy with this, continue. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they did, like, they had real talent behind, like, some oh, of the, like yeah. I said, there's a Yuasa episode, and it looks great. It's just, like I said, it's not my favorite story plot episode uh yeah i don't know it's, it's good everybody i think you won't end up liking space dandy if you're looking for a plot because it's really yeah it's anti-plot yeah. to a very a fairly extreme degree i think mm. yeah very true cool okay we have our first number one uh on andy's list with 10 points his number one only person who voted for it was tatami galaxy speaking of yuasa yeah also on my short list <laughs> <laughs> there were five y- yuasa things and like six isekai on my short list and i put none of them on my top ten just out of sheer coincidence <laughs> yeah i um looking back over the the 10 years i just saw oh yeah tatami galaxy tatami galaxy and the night is short so walk on girl is sort mm-hmm. of two things that are in the same universe but tatami galaxy is sort of the thing before and and i really i really loved it um it really like personally it was one of like the first thing i had with meds who insanely we met and then got married in 10 years which is weird to think about but yeah so i have that sort of emotional connection to the show um as sort of like one of the first things i really loved when and one of the first things that mids gave me as a gift um but uh also just as the show tonally like the again the groundhog day thing the way that it changes messes with that format um like the weird joke that happens every episode where the fortune teller increases her like prices by a thousand yen i really like like it and the end of the day it's a show about a kid in high school not knowing uh, in university not knowing what to do um so he tries a bunch of uh tries a bunch of clubs to try and get some some interests trying to do something and uh every club he falls in he falls with the same selection of crowd of people uh same friends and then they just sort of happen to um they just they just happen upon like some stories and like some events and then they all sort of intertwine and you see how they're all affected and it's really great i really love that show i think it's uh yeah definitely one of my favorite my favorite of the 10 years Good, good shit. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know if anybody else has much to comment on it. I, I mean, I love the night of short walk on girl, but uh, I haven't watched the Tommy Galaxy yet. Still haven't found the time. I, 
I tried to watch Atomic Galaxy and the dialogue moved so quickly that I felt like I had mm. like mm. dyslexia just trying to keep <laughs> up with it. I and I think that's fair. Like I, I felt that that is kind of alienating at the beginning. So at the beginning there's like a there's like a, a thirty minute super fast like like even read faster than what you're normally than like what you're expecting. It's like super sped up. Um and uh like 30 second thing and the reason is is because that gets repeated every episode mm. so the idea is is that we, we cut through the shit that you know that they want to that you have to put it in and you won't get get it but you'll you'll see it you're going to see it like three or four more times um before the show's over and you will you will catch on to that um and then like the last episode of the is is really um as far as sort of uasa-esque and sort of a bit I don't know whether out there's the right word, but as as far as sort of like brain bending goes, that last episode is really good. Mm. Um, as it's all sort of like an introspective on his life and his times there and the choices he could have made. And at the end of the day, that is what the whole show is about. It's about whether you, if you went back in time and made those choices again, would you make them again? And, uh, you know, like, were the choices you made right at the time? And it, I found it fascinating. I found it really interesting. And I think it's definitely the best of the 10 years. Yeah. I, I think it's it's a, a, a really interestingly structurally show. Like, as Andy says, like, has these the same structure to it every episode apart from the the final one where you get introduced to what new club he's signed up and what hopes he has for that club and like every episode starts with him looking forward to what how amazing this is going to be how how great this will make his student life Mm. and the final one is is essentially him going it's, it's essentially about him locating that greatness in his present rather than some imagined future mm. and i think that's a, a really uh strong note to end on for any show yeah and and to be fair it's not all about like it's not the same span of time it does actually jump about there's a after i think about five episodes it then goes into a different timeline after the like the option the choice of selecting a university like club because that's all that he is actually doing um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's a great 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 watch really really lovely and and beautifully animated as well Mm -hmm. well uh we have two more and then we're into only double ones but first we have duncan's number one with 10 points the eccentric family I was, it was as soon as you said uh, uh, it's like uh, that for Andy's, I was like, "Oh, this this is me." But no, <laughs> it's, I was one. Le- I was one later. But um, I think I think of the eccentric family and Tatami Galaxy as kind of having similar energy in some ways. It's the same. Know. It's the same uh, author of the light no- of the oh, really? light novel series. Yeah. Same author, which is which is interesting. We end up uh, a book ended together, but yeah, it's I, I think. It, in keeping with what I was saying about uh, Rakugo, this is a show which, despite the, its fantastical uh, tanuki-infested uh, setting, lives in the small details, both of people's shared history and lives and the small gestures of familiarity and just like a just tour de force from a director who just has a absolute 
mastery over misdirection and uh, trickery, which is a perfect for a, sh- a show about Tanuki, which are just basically <laughs> tricks, trickster, <laughs> trickster spirits. And, like, it's just so playful and, like, it, familiarity is... Like, there's a, there's a certain familiarity people only have with those closest to them. Uh, and I think no, no show I can think of ca- captures that the way two people can have a, a back and forth and a p- play with each other. Banter has become such a completely and utterly destroyed word. And I never want to hear it again, but like it, it, they have like this, this back and forth, which is just wonderful. And like, uh, teasing each other and uh, 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 bringing up things which hurt but and which are like terrible events in their history and yet are still things which they joke about and find sort of certain gallows humour in and like it's got my my sort of number one star-crossed lovers in anime in uh, Benton <laughs> and Yasubo which is like Interesting because it's actually fine. It breaks that that trope of of the first girl. Like he's he he the woman he ends up with at the end of two seasons is not the one we spent all this time focusing on. It's the it's the one who made him into a sundere, which is is a wonderful little reveal, which is all along we think there's this this girl who hasn't been showing herself to him, who's been hiding in plain sight and and ne- never showing herself to uh, Yasuboro. And we, we assume it's because she's painfully shy. But it turns out, out the reason that, that she's been hiding is because when she does show herself to um Yes, bro. He he loses his transformation and reverts to this tiny, slightly shocked-looking rodent, and it's just like this wonderful little subversion that we've we've had all running along this these assumptions about what this character is, and we should we should have seen it, but like there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just yeah, it's it's just it's fits its title perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very I'm very fond of it. I just I think that I don't have the same like relentless appetite for magical realism that you clearly do with uh, <laughs> with uh, so many of your choices on this list. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that that will come up in my second choice as well at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'm afraid so. Uh, well, not afraid. I'm pleased to say so. Uh, so kind of kind of a bit of a change, though. Uh, for our last uh, single vote entry, number one with 10 points for John, Land of the Lustrous. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's surprised, but I'm glad that you picked it, John. Came really close for me. Really huge. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, good. It's good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> you like those gem butts? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> Sometimes I just go outside and I find a rock that's really round. <laughs> I'll touch it and look at it. Just start sweating, rubbing your hands. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I can't help myself. Un- uncontrollable. Um, it's a show that I expected to hate because it's CG, and then I watched because it was the description was Steven Universe but anime, <laughs> and then it ended up being very different, kind of similar but very very different mm. in most ways. Um, and as 
as I mentioned very early on with, I think Ben's first thing, humanity has declined. Like it, I like post human stories and mm -hmm. that's very much what this is. Um, it's about a race of gym, living gym people and a race of living cloud people and a race of living sea snail people. Yeah. Something. <laughs> uh, they're all like, they're all explicitly post human. And in fact, part of the mythology, it's unclear if it's, Re how real it is, but I think it's more rooted in like magical realism, symbolism, symbolism, <laughs> symbolism than <laughs> than actual reality within the world. Uh, but like each of those three races is uh, some aspect of humanity branched off into its own species, right? So like mm -hmm. the gems are the bodies, the clouds are the spirits, and the and the sea people are something else flesh I flesh. Forget. Yeah, flesh people the flesh the flesh that's right yeah yeah so the gyms are the bones the flesh bones flesh and spirit people. classic classic reference to an old episode <laughs> yeah um anyway uh it's so there's that i really like that aspect of it and then i also like the characters like foss foss phospholite yeah, yeah that's her name mm -hmm. they call her foss which is what i'm going to say for now because that's easier um they are all just really good personalities that I just want to watch all of them hang out and be good, but then bad things happen, and then <laughs> I feel really sad, and I want to see more happen, and then it does, and I've been reading the manga too, and it just, it continues the same trend. I, how, like, the manga is just goes places you do not expect from the anime. Yep, did not expect at all. <laughs> but that's really good, and I hope that they one day... It is impressive. Yeah. I hope they one day adapt more of it. Um, and, like, like I mentioned early on, like, it is CG, and... I have a huge hate boner for CG and anime, <laughs> which may or may not be a surprise to anybody here. Um, but Land of the Lust just looks really good. I think it takes advantage of the fact that it's CG in ways that other CG anime do not. Um, like the fact that they are gem people when they break and shatter. You get all the faceted edges of the shattered pieces sparkling and reflecting and, and really nice looking ways um the direction is really good the colors are really good like there's, there's one scene yeah, it's vivid yeah there's one scene that i always picture in my head where foss is talking to cinnabar um at night and they're hanging out in cinnabar's little cave cinnabar is made of cinnabar and she's kind of poisoned to everybody and everything around her but foss wants to help her and help her become you know less dangerous so that she can be around other people and they're hanging out in this cave and it's like this really dark blue cave but then the sunset is coming in and it just looks really good it's <laughs> good it's a good show i love it a lot and i want more and i will always love it a lot yes cool yeah okay oh no i was just gonna say i think as far as like the cg argument goes i think Bands of Illustrious, even though I haven't watched it, which is why I wasn't on my, any of my lists. Um, that's a good reason. Yeah, I can't. I, you can't watch it legally anywhere, as far as I'm aware, uh, or at least in the UK. Or is it off Crunchyroll now? It's, that's what it's it used never to be. on Crunchyroll in the UK. No, it definitely was at one point. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. how I watched it. Really? Okay, fair enough. I, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think that it's just one of those arguments that CG is slowly transforming, and it'll be interesting to know how much CG is going to affect people in the future. and affect, It's definitely going to affect anime more and more. And it's just wonder how it's going to affect people. Well, it comes down to the studio to actually use it the right way. If they're trying yeah. to make it look like 2D anime, it's never going to work and they need to stop fucking trying that. If they're trying to mix 2D with 3D, it's never going to work and they need to stop fucking trying that. You can switch from like frame to frame, but you cannot have them both in the same frame or it's just incredibly obvious that, it's, that it doesn't work. Land of the Lustrous does do that. It, it switches. No, I mean, sometimes yes. in the same frame with like uh, face expressions and uh, bodies being... Uh, 
one and t'other. But that's that's what I'm saying though. Like the, it switches. There are plenty of close-ups in Land of the Lustrous where it goes to 2D animation for the faces, but yeah, it does not do that in the same frame with another person with a 3D face. Yeah, not like. It's not it's not like uh, Tiger and Bunny where it's just like 3D animations with no face and then they draw hand draw the faces on afterwards. Um if you remember that. But I was also just gonna say like, you know, Child of I watched um Child of the Waves, uh which wasn't very good, but the CG and two D animation combined was beautiful and I didn't even notice. Like you really have to pick it out that there's uh that there's 3d involved um but it's possible but you have a history of thinking cg looks okay when i think it looks absolutely <laughs> disgusting no, so, i would i would say this, you know. the film's not good the children of the waves is not a good film but the animation is fantastic and it mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of work like that was clearly a very expensive few scenes where she's like running towards the camera and shit's going crazy behind her like that's a hard, expensive ass scene to draw um, and animate, um, but you know that's a few and far between of every other Garbo. Like, anybody know the name of the studio that does Land of the Lost off the top of their head? Studio Orange, maybe? I think it's Studio Orange. Yeah. Okay. So they also did Beast Stars last season, and I only watched a few episodes of that, but that one actually looks really good too. And it's not gym people; it's organic animal people. And yeah, which is a shock. And I didn't, I didn't like the PVs that I saw, but once I got into the show and was able to see scene the scene and like the it, it's it's a really good looking show yeah. and i yeah. will one day finish it but it was fucking netflix yeah it's in netflix hell so it's coming out when. soon it's coming out march oh I yeah believe. sure yeah fucking soon three months after it aired Ooh ha love oh. netflix gotta love it my assumption with land of the lustrous was always that it was the perfect use case for, for cg yeah me too but mm-hmm. but Beastars looks really good they pull it off um mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is to do with their framing and the way they use lighting to their advantage. Because I think, honestly, that's probably, the more I think about it, the thing that sucks about the way most people use CG in anime is they don't use the thing... Like, 3D lighting is the thing that CG can most take advantage of, and they don't. They just try to make it look like 2D anime, you know? UFO Table are also a great example of people who do 2D and CG Um the uh, people who did uh, the Fate series as well as Demon Slayer, uh, absolutely extraordinary battle scenes in de- in both of them, which incorporate. Demon both Slayer of them. did have a really had had a couple of really cool scenes, yeah, like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going way off yeah. topic. Yeah. Um, CG, CG can look good. Most of the time, it looks like garbage. Keep it looking better, please. Anyway, that's all. Cool. <laughs> so now into our multi-pick. Uh, string the last eight are all going to be at least two people voted for these Uh, at one point even four people voted for a number one Uh, but at uh, number eight with 11 votes 10 from me and one from Duncan is the tale of Princess Kaguya Mm. Mm. and y'all are fired you're not allowed to come back on this podcast (laughs) it was fine it was fine it was fine Fine. you know I didn't like it You know I didn't like it. We talked about it at the time. I thought it was I, okay. No, you're fine, John. It's okay. Oh, you're fine. But me, on the other hand, I gotta... Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I mean, no, I, let, let me go ahead and just and do my, my quick spiel. Because, like, I don't even know what I should even say about the tale of Princess Kaguya. It's the story of a magical girl born from a bamboo shoot. Um, but it's a story about the bittersweetness of life. It's about how growing up means leaving things behind and how in the end we're left with nothing. Mm -hmm. It's also a story about the singular beauty of existence, how the world is full of pain and fear and longing and how we still choose to live in it because we have others to share it with. 
It's a movie by Asao Takahata, one of the greatest anime directors ever to have lived. And his work with the storied studio Ghibli produces what is honestly, to me at least, the perfect fusion of visual style, storytelling, musical score, vocal performance. I cry every time I watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And I had already just said that I don't value particularly high that I, <laughs> that I, when I cry at stuff. But... No, I I don't know how to recommend this movie if you don't if you don't get it. So I just I love it. I think it's wonderful. It's beautiful. No, it, it is an outstanding one. I I really struggled to with it not being high in my list. It's I think it's just I I wonder if it's so technically accomplished that 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 my wonder at that 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 my just jaw dropping wow you've done this so well just it means i can't get past that to the emotion sometimes <laughs> like it's just an astonishing film like it it's and this is something which also occurs in other choices in my thing it's art style concentration it's 100% on expression over perfection on grafting this art which is pr- produced by humans and and grounding Every mark we see on screen is a mark which has been produced by someone. Mm-hmm. And this feeling that they are expressing their feelings about the story and the work and the scene through what they are putting out there. And that this is this is a work of humans about being human and being imperfect and about how that the desire to be perfect is counterproductive. And I think that perfect, like, well, that, no, it, that imperfect perfectness <laughs> is is what makes it such a, a great film, that you have this complete synergy between um, art style and uh, its essence of its theme. Yeah, it's good. Like film. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very good. I think it's it it was entertaining when it came out for everyone who thought that Studio Ghibli was just Miyazaki making his like weird eco parables uh, to have this work by the guy who did the movie about Tanukis <laughs> and their big ball sacks like rampaging to like, oh, taking what is some consider the oldest one of the oldest sci-fi stories told by humanity and making it and making it a movie about the pain of parenthood and i'll be talking about this with another choice later um but even with this just like the the scene where the celestial beings come to take her away is and the the contrast between the like immense tragedy of the scene and the happy carefree music it's i i i am a lost for for words, which should say something to anyone who's been listening to this podcast for <laughs> for as long as we've been doing it. No, I I adore the tale of Princess Kaguya. I I mean, it's good shit. No one wants to die, but that's that's a great last work for Isao Takahata to have. Is mm-hmm. is this 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 sprawling, just magisterial thing? And it took him ages to do it, right? Yeah, it was for it was a long time. I think it was like seven years or something. Or not quite that much, but close. Yeah, and just the the idea of working on anything for seven years, like it's it's insane. Like a, a movie that yeah, that is, oh, it's, it boggles the mind. But and you know what? It pays off. Like it's an incredible movie, uh, and really worth a watch. If none of it, if anyone listening has not watched it yet, mm. what are you doing? Anyway, moving on. 
<laughs> I suppose so. It's going to be a bit of a of a come down uh, because the the next one, uh, Andy, you scored it number five. Uh, John, it was it was your number three, and it's Hunter Hunter or Hunter Cross Hunter or Hunter X Hunter. Uh, Hunter Hunter is or Hunter you Hunter Ships Hunter. <laughs> I call it Hunter X Hunter. <laughs> you can uh, Hunter X Hunter is how I guess or or because it's sometimes H X H. Is this all it is? It's like uh, I, I, I call it Hunter <laughs> times Hunter. Um, <laughs> Hunter squared. Hunter squared, please. <laughs> Right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> um, and that's why I voted so high. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wow. Hunter Hunter is um, it's one of the best shonens out there. I think, uh, even though it's still ongoing, even though it will never be finished, um, it's, it'll never be finished. It'll never but be the finished. Anime... The anime finishes enough, um, and yeah. it is good because it is the only battle shonen that I can think of that has consequences that they actually stick mm-hmm. to so far, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, other other currently running ones have sort of done that, but like they're still going. So who fucking knows? Hunter x Hunter. I mean, I think I think the uh, other one I could argue maybe is One Piece, but I'm so far behind on One Piece that could easily imagine that they forget some certain parts of that. Like incredibly sprung out world, world lore. As much as I love One Piece, and you know I love it, mm-hmm. it definitely does not stick to a lot of shit. Like Luffy's not supposed to use his gear shit, and he does it all the time because it's supposed to kill him. The more he uses it, they don't even bring it up past the first time they. Well, bring it, no, you know? they bring it up, and he's like, I don't care, and they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, Which is very like, shown in anime. I feel like. <laughs> like that's my point. Like, right? They never address those consequences he's just like i don't care and then for the next 17 years nothing has happened <laughs> oh wow has it progressed that long i don't know like yeah maybe um, it, i don't know 17 but it's been a long time yeah, yeah. But, i mean um, how long is it in the world i don't know i think it's been about five maybe but anyway well there was a time skip right so that was three before years. that is what's about one piece more about hunter x hunter <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah or Hunt- not or talk about what i want to talk about Jeez. um <laughs> Anyway, Hunter Hunter's good. That's yeah, no, it's exceptional. It's got it's got some of the best like evil characters. Like whenever um, people think of the what is one of my personally most hated like things when everyone wants to to put a villain in a put a person in a cube a three by three cube of uh, chaotic you know uh, what is it chaotic neutral evil lawful evil like all that kind of shit. Like my favorite D and D alignment chart. That's it, D and D alignment chart. My favorite example of some sort of like chaotic evil character is like uh, Kirua, who is just um, an insane character who is terrifying and scary, and then his presence is um, so overpowering, and then you see him like just drop everything for no reason and just go off and do something else just because his own personal interest is to fight the strongest thing that will try and kill him and he never gets like that payoff i i find him as a a fascinating character i find then you just got like a cast of really well drawn well realized well cared for uh characters and crew that just you know they go off and do their own things after a while like you you have your main three of like gone freaks uh, Doctor Guy, who I can't remember his name of now, and um, uh, Kilua and Leorio. Leorio, thank you, and Kurapika. And you start off and you think, oh, well, they're just going to be the tight four unit of shonen protagonists that will continue this story. And in many ways it does, but 
really, you know, Leorio drops out halfway through. He's never mentioned again. Um, Kurapika in goes the anime. in the anime. I think even in the manga, is he not? He's not like, but he's not part of the central unit. Like at the end of the day, it's all about Gon following and trying to find his father. Um, and Do you read the manga past where the anime ends? No, no, I haven't. Gon doesn't show up for like years. Gon oh, is really? gone right now. Oh yeah. wow, Gon is and, gone. And, and, like he, okay, so for the, the the prime example of this show sticking to its guns is when Gon, like, he is trying to save his friend, and he doesn't have the power to do it, so he makes this sort of deal with his own body. It's it's part of the Nin thing that they, mm. like, the superpowers they have like there. Like the in, Sha- in Naruto Shakura equivalent. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and. <laughs> He makes this like exchange to draw out all of his future potential to say to fight right now in order to, but then he's sacrificing any, he's sacrificing it entirely from that point on, so he cannot use it after this. So he's he does that. He saves his friend, and he is just dead. Basically, he's in a coma. He he can't move. He can't talk or anything. His friend Killua saves him from that at least by using superpower like wish granting demon sister which <laughs> it's better than it sounds i promise i was gonna say that's quite a combination of words yeah and uh, it's it's all accurate though <laughs> uh she's she and and so he's able to like breathe and walk again but he still doesn't have his nin powers anymore and that as of right now is just completely gone and they are sticking to that and he's not even part of like the group of people that is now traveling to the new world which is like this next big goal for them right um yeah which was sort of the big reveal at the end of the first season which was like you've been here for like 300 200 episodes and actually there's even bigger worlds to explore and you're like right and so and so <laughs> in the manga right now killer was not there gone's not there it's just kuropika is like the main character for this current arc which has been going for a long long time because the dude does not write a lot nope. and also leorio is on the ship with them He's not currently like a focus, but he's definitely there and will play a part. Anyway, it goes all over the fucking place. It sticks to his guns. It is brutal. And although it at first appears to be sort of like this just happy go lucky battle shown and explore the world thing, it quickly becomes clear that it's a lot more than that. And the best part, or one of the best, you know, the best part for me is that I'm a big Dragon Ball fan, as everyone knows. Um, I acknowledge that Dragon Ball is very much. Dragon Ball, and there's not much saving it from being Dragon Ball. The yeah. Gon is is kind of like he is Goku, but taken to the extreme and taken to the natural like conclusion of what Goku is. Goku's sort of this. I always want to fight the stronger guys and just have fun. Gon is like that, except he's an actual sociopath about it. Whereas they call, they always walk back Goku's sort of. Goku will do stupid shit to fight to have better fights, right? Mm-hmm. Gon. But there's no, there's never any like consequences for that. It's always, it always just works out in the end because they have Dragon Balls. They can, re- they can revive die. anybody. Who... Oh, I was gonna say, but okay, yeah, fine, fine. Dragon Balls, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but in Hunter Hunter, they do not have Dragon Balls. So when Gun starts doing this shit, like it, it has consequences. And he is kind of a sociopath who only lives. I wouldn't say sociopath. He only lives for himself and his friends. He does not care about anyone else. He will wipe out anyone who gets in his way who he doesn't like or care about. And it's weird because he's just this fucking kid. But he's super strong until he's not anymore. Anyway, that's 
good. <laughs> yeah, I rambled a lot there. I love it. I love it, and I want more mm. of it. And also, just like going going back then to like everyone's convictions and the reasons, even the evil people. Like you read the Chimera Ant arc, and even then, you're just like. Um, you know, you, you can sort of, I, I guess, like you, you get a deeper insight into what they consider the evil group of a, of uh, sort of ant mutations that have now killed a bunch of people and grown to like have human feelings and stuff. And you really get into that. It's not just like one-sided fight. You, you get into the other people's fights. You get into their emotions and feelings. And while some of them are just like, I just need to protect the ant nest because that's what I've been told to do. A lot of them do have like human feelings and human emotions. And a lot of evil people, you sort of see their point of view. And whilst you maybe don't agree with it, um, at least their views are sensible and logical in a way that you don't really get in Shonen, I think. Mm-hmm. And all of that... Two, I'm going to, since you mentioned the Chimera arc, I have to say now that that is my favorite arc in any battle shonen ever. It's exceptional. It, it, it's it is yeah, it is exceptional. It it, it um does a fantastic job of conveying the tension that is happening across the entire battlefield, not just with the few main characters versus a few bad guys. It's it's like twenty people versus six or seven. I don't remember the number of good good guys, quote unquote, but um. <laughs> Number of hunters, yeah. Number of hunters, yeah, that'll work. Um, it it is so slow. It feels so slow sometimes, but it is incredibly tense. Like one episode will last. Will take. Will take. I don't know. Tell about like thirty seconds of a fight, but it does it in such this slow, methodical manner of explaining the moves of everybody and like why they're doing what they're doing and like how they got to this point. And it's sort of like this almost chess game sort of presentation, which makes sense because there's also like the king the chimera ant king has a obsession with this game called i forget what it's called it's some fictional game but oh, it, it's a lot like it's, chess. it's a mix of shogi and drafts and there's yeah yeah something like that uh but he also has this very strategic mind about the way he does things he is extremely strong they end up beating him not by just overpowering him but by poisoning him with a nuke basically mm. it is it's Oh, it's except it's exceptional, and then and then you know you just get like the occasional back histories of like that old guy who's but who's got like the Buddha powers, and you're like, that's fucking like it's just fucking awesome storytelling just from that perspective. It's a great, great, great shonen anime, and the only downside is that you want more of it, and there's none there because the fucker don't write no shit no more. Um, I'd say another downside is maybe you don't appreciate what makes it special if you haven't watched a lot of other battle shonen. If that makes sense, yeah. It, it subverts a lot of that shit. Like, it takes it and twists it upside down. Like, for example, like I said, gone is Goku, but where his actions actually have consequences. But I do also feel it takes... I thought, as its detriment, I think it takes a while to get there. Like, you certainly have the, to yeah. do the hunter, hunt, the hunter exams is certainly a place where it sets, its, uh, sets out its shop, but it takes a while for you to get past the hunter exam. And even then, you have the... Like the battle yeah. tower arc. I think which... that's true. I think I think the Greed Island is where it really starts becoming clear what it is. But the, yeah, yeah. The, I thought I think it's a bit later actually. I think it's the um, the auction arc. Was that the one? I can't remember what that one's called. Uh, York, York New City. Yeah. 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 Anyway, great. Beautiful. We'll stop talking about hunter. hunter now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like y'all want to have a hunter hunter podcast. <laughs> I'm not really watching. If they ever make more. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. it's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of having in between episodes dedicated to something, uh, with 13 points, 
three from me and ten from Jeff is the Monogatari series. <laughs> that was on my short list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what can we say about Monogatari that we haven't already said yeah. at length? <laughs> I mean, I, I can do my best to, to boil it down as I've as I've tried to do. Uh, but like we brought up Shiner's Etsubo Sensei before and all that remains my like favorite work by Akiyuki Shinbo of Shaft. The Monogatari series is probably like a a better marriage of studio and source material. All the trademark flourishes of Shaft's house style, uh, abstracted landscapes, intrusive text and title cards, protracted monologues, slow motion sequences, heads looking over their shoulders. Uh, it's loving attention to irrelevant details. It all messes really perfectly with Nisio Eason's love of language and the way that it mediates our perceptions of everything around us. Um, and I specifically, because I held myself to a higher standard, uh, which is the story of my life and especially my graduate career, uh, the second season, Monogatari series second season, is when I think it begins to pay off. We have this harem who's collected that's been collected by this honestly loathsome protagonist, Araragi. It begins to operate on its own without him and to complicate the savior complex that kind of has defined him thus far. Uh, the stories that we think we're being told based on our knowledge of the tropes begin to loop back on themselves, repeating and revising themselves. And the finale is the height of the series appeal, in my opinion, where Aragi just doesn't get to show up. And it's about the like a former antagonist kind of being a figurative Scheherazade leading one of Aragi's like former love interests through her own A Thousand and One Nights. Um, as we said many, many times in the in-between, this isn't an exactly an anime that you can go around recommending to people, but I've enjoyed every time I've watched it, and I think it's endlessly interesting and creepy. So that is what I think about that. <laughs> yeah, like if for me, like my number one criteria for how you know how high up I put a show for the most part is how much I think about it when I'm not watching it. And this was a show that just it, it compelled me to watch and rewatch. Like over the course of the year, I watched the whole thing two, maybe three times. And I can't think of anything else anywhere that's that's compelled me to that same degree. And I will. Yeah, I will endlessly resent it for being as good as it is because I can't <laughs> tell anybody else to watch it. <laughs> well, you can't. I mean, you can you can do it, but you have to like vamp about how bad it is and then if they like yeah. get through that weird kind of reverse hazing then they're allowed to watch it but you can't vamp so far that you can say like oh if they just removed it, it would be perfect because then it would be lesser and no, i can't yeah. explain why yeah it's <laughs> it's creepy and awkward for a reason yep okay so yeah. moving on to our first threefer Andy, Jeff and John all voted for Mob Psycho 100 yeah, I mm -hmm. thought I thought this would come up. Yeah, I mean, the longer it takes, the more you're certain that your things are going to come up. That is how a list works. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I thought I was done with my list. <laughs> I was going to put in One Punch Man. Sorry, I was just, I was going to put in One Punch Man, but I was uh, I was talking to Mids about it, and she was like, "But One Punch Man doesn't really like the manga doesn't change isn't made better by the anime. It just serves it the same." Um, which is not the case of Mob. Mob is beautiful throughout. Both seasons tell an absolutely gorgeous story of a coming-of-age sort of nervous guy trying to find his way who's got psychic powers. He doesn't want to use them, and then he, like, 
finds a club and finds friends and they're not the friends he wanted they may but they're the friends he's got and he loves them and then he you know and then he has to fight people with different powers and different perspectives on the world but ultimately his view he kind of wins he wins through with his views and with his feelings not necessarily with his overarching stupendous power um and it is both an, a visual delight to watch, hilarious, and um, it's got some real heart to it that I think was lacking from One Punch Man and um, I just think is it really sticks with you. Uh, I really love Mob Psycho, both season one and season two, and uh, there's some, some of the best anime this year, this decade, and it fucking deserves to be at number two, I guess. Is it number two? No. On the list? It's number five. It deserves to be top five. That, that <laughs> is for fucking certain. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if anybody else has anything else to say on that. All that's fine and dandy, but the reason that I put it in my top three when Ben forced me to pick at least those is just because it looks so good. It does. It. I mean, the story is fine. Like, it's, it's a good story. It's nothing wrong with it. But the reason that I loved it so much is because Bones did a fantastic job of making this, like sometimes messy sometimes clean just like always stellar looking show about some psychics fighting each other and uh, it just looks good especially when he goes inside especially when he goes inside that dude that ghost's head or whatever it is the the girl's head and mm-hmm. fights the the guy possessing her or something mm-hmm. i forget i forget exactly what yeah. happened because yeah. it's been a while but i do remember it the way it looked and the way it escalated and and uh such a good looking show yeah okay. and the comes from a web manga well one one is not a particularly good author no he ain't (laughs) but you know they do but they took they took his style Mm -hmm. and made it great absolutely (laughs) it still looks like he drew it it just looks like somebody then colored in lines and made it fucking (laughs) (laughs) and then also because it's so simplistic sorry jeff i know you keep wanting to interrupt but like because it's so simplistic it means that you can do some really incredible stuff with that art style but visually as well like there's so many times when he does like uh like some psychic moves on like a monster he like the visual explosion is is like a like a telegraphic paper like a to make it look like really like weird like cg effect that they've had to put in afterwards but you know it was it was only sort of you could only really do that with that art style i think um Mm -hmm. It's also like, uh, as you know, you were saying the, you know, one's style is sort of off-putting by design and it's remarkable how just the, the direction and the animation will, and the writing like elevates these like sort of goofy, jokey kind of characters. Like even the ones who are kind of cool have just like weird, unappealing ticks that, just sort of lends depth and texture to the show. And I also really appreciate the fact that it is, it's structured like, like a Shonen Battler, but it has a lot more heart than most of them. And it's tight and it is succinct. Like one of the best things about one punch man is that it just by design, you know, in the beginning anyways, can't linger in fights. And, you know, without just basically writing the main character out of the show, like they do with One Punch Man in the manga, like it manages to have conflicts that have weight and have consequence and get 
through it quickly and get to the point nicely. And it was just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great show. And, and, you know, like the other thing is the whole, all of mobs fights are, are deeply personal. And in mm-hmm. some cases, like a lot of the times they're not, they're just like, sometimes they're just stupid throwaway jokes, but a lot of the, but most of the times they're always about his friends or about the the sort of his own personal growth as a human being. And the sort of, like he's he joins a fitness club of people who are way stronger than him and like can like run faster but then the way that he has this group of what look like yankee dickheads the way that they support him just because he's trying and really pushing him is is really beautiful and it's sort of like again that's sort of like don't judge a book by its cover type thing that i guess shonen likes to do or anime likes to do but it really is heartwarming and lovely to watch that sort of like his progression and his happiness build up over the over the show and his sort of like his big sort of clash with reagan in the second season was also really like another awakening of like him realizing he's he's been made like the the joke of the first season is that he's constantly sort of abused by reagan and sort of his like reagan can't do anything but at the end of the day it's mob who's sort of like the real like dastardly and mutley type combination um but you know he ray but he then he he figures it out in season two and then it it comes against it makes reagan a cropper and it comes against and you know it it's a fascinating sort of Thing that you wouldn't really expect in this sort of show to for it to do but when it does it, it really is emotional and hard-hitting i think that might have made me cry i can't remember but yeah <laughs> it's just fascinating it's just really really it's just an incredible anime and as uh, john mentioned utterly beautiful it doesn't falter at one there's not one bit that it messes up on uh it's a really gorgeous show mm. Unlike One Punch Man, which second season is directed by JC Stuff. JC so. <laughs> Stuff can occasionally get do good shows. Not always though. No, they can't. No, they, they just they just get they just get good shows. The, the animation's still garbage. Like Konosuba is a good show, but the animation's still... like Kimono Friends. Kimono Friends, not JC Stuff. No, but it's got garbage animation. Yeah, but it is garbage. <laughs> it has got garbage animation. Oh, and you know the other the other one is uh, Food Wars. That's the other JC Stuff one that doesn't deserve that you love I love but it's bad <laughs> the animation's terrible and every time I watch it I'm like god the animation's bad right moving on well speaking of bad animation or rather the challenges that studios go through to make animation don't, why would you lead into this with that I don't know speaking of that go on Shirabako it's only four was Andy Andy gave it number th- is our number four Andy put it as uh, number three I put it as number four number three. so here we are at the total number four um, and the only reason it's not on mine is that I'm not finished watching it. <laughs> Fair, enough, Fair enough. It's not on mine because it wasn't on my shortlist. Yeah. So, like, I feel like mediums really love to talk by talk about themselves, especially like how many movies have we seen about making a movie? How many novels have we read about writing a novel? Anime has a grand tradition of making anime about anime from animation runner Karomi to otaku no video to, I guess, Bakuman kind of. They're, they make an anime in Bakuman, don't they? But uh, Shirobako... I mean, an anime is made in Bako. Shirobako stands on its own, most of all because it's actually good. It's an exhaustive <laughs> and unromantic look at the people who make anime and both how and why they do it. Mizushima Tsomu, maybe the most underrated director currently working in anime. 
is able to do this precisely because he does give us an exhaustive and unromantic look. We have four women who all enter the industry in different capacities, although production assistant turned producer Miyamori is basically our protagonist. And we get to see how they each confront the many, 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 many obstacles to making an anime, let alone a good anime. And not only is there just this voyeuristic pleasure in seeing an anime about making an anime, uh, we get the pleasure of seeing it done in a deeply realistic, humanistic, character-centric way that's really hard to imagine a different series improving upon. Yeah, yeah, no. I, <laughs> I, thought, I, was, I was wondering if there was going to be more, but no, no I that's totally it. agree. It... <laughs> no, I mean, just um, like, it's just a fun show to watch because it, it definitely is someone who is deeply, deeply acquainted with the strengths and weaknesses of an industry just making a show about, like, how it is to do the thing that he does. Mm. It's the perfect kind of procedural as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, it, it does a, it does a, like, you know, I'm, I'm chiming in here because I'm right in the middle of watching the show for it. and it's got the, I'm you new. Know, I am a, I'm a refugee from the games industry and there is a certain sort of trauma bonding that goes on when you're in a, a production that's, you know, it's doing crunch, you're working hard, you have deadlines looming and everybody is sort of focused on this one giant, seemingly impossible task. And what comes at the other end is not what you thought was going to be there in one shape or another, but it's still this this unifying purpose that is hard to attain in other places. And, you know, in some ways I'm sad that I'll never, you know, I'll, I'm likely never going to be going back to that for lots of good reasons, you know, self-care included, but it's remarkable to see a show that captures that, you know, the simultaneous highs and lows of being involved in a project like that, surrounded by people who are, you know, who are simultaneously passionate and cynical and going through a lot of bullshit and coming out the other end of it, you know, different, if not necessarily better. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it... And the, I mean, surely, Jeff, you've heard about how, like, uh, Mizushima Tsomu has said that, like, the really, like, awful faker guy is based on him when he first entered the industry. The PA who's lazy <laughs> and does bad work. And so I think that there is, like, a nice sense of kind of guided, guarded autobiography to it that really does let you feel like you're on the ground floor there. And there's a nice yeah. am amount of self-criticism there of like, I could have this be how I wish the anime industry was, but here's how it actually is. And to let you know that I'm being serious, here's what a, a shithead I was when I was, <laughs> when I was first starting out and God, does he suck? He's like in some, in some episodes, he's honestly the villain just because he's the incompetent guy. Who's not pulling, who's not pulling together with yeah. the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's always the one who fucks up. And I think industries like this are full of people who think they are the taro <laughs> and everybody else around them, you know, resents them and they're not pulling their weight. And I mean, that's half the reason why people put in the hours they do on these kinds of projects is that nobody wants to be the taro, but everybody thinks they are. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're the faker who's not really cutting it, but yeah. 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 And, and you know, there's, I don't know. And then also on top of that, there's clearly some 
uh, industry stories that he's been dying to tell and that he <laughs> manages to sort of tell in a in a great way uh, when they go to like other industry other studios and they see what feels like a, rep, a version of Anno um, yeah. and you know well some characters like even are literally like named after kind of sound alikes of famous people especially uh, especially like um, like back back rank production staff and the, like the three main voice actress ladies who aren't part of the main show but definitely like show up during the recording studios are all like named like Mai Nakahara is like named like Mei Nakahura or something and it's just like <laughs> and it's voiced by her which is not the case with like Ano so it is just nice it's just like here's everybody like the guy who's directing uh, who the, their main director is based on the Full Metal Alchemist director the first two Full Metal Alchemist is like based on uh, him okay. um, so it's just like it's very autobiographical in a way that like I feel like anime often likes to make references to real world things but just because of their like fear of litigiousness and all this other stuff they're often mm. it's you know it's always Wook Donald's or Suni or <laughs> yeah or something and this is just nice to see that turned towards people and it's like oh here's all these people that actually have had these huge effects in the industry and here's their like sound alike character who is just seems like a nice guy doing hard work <laughs> The only exception to that is that the Weathering With You film where they definitely just have full-on McDonald's Well, they have so much money. <laughs> so I know, and it's it. insane. They have so many... In- anyway, that's not. we're not talking about that. Yeah, Shirabako, good shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so God, I'm going to be talking a lot for all of these. Uh, next, uh, this is me and Duncan. I ranked, ranked it number three. Dan- Duncan ranked it number two is Wolf Children, mm-hmm. Mamoru Hosoda's yeah. movie about growing up and the challenges of parenthood. Yeah, so watch that film, cry, then phone your mum. <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. the short synopsis. It definitely feels like an indulgence for me to have two movies on my list about like parenting and the difficulties of growing up. But I couldn't pick just one. They're good in different ways. I feel like Wolf Children much more captures the joy of having a child and watching those, them discover what kind of person they're going to be. Especially because Hana, mm. the mother, didn't expect to have Ame and Yuki, but the movie's really centered around like what hard work she has to do to give them a good life, um, which gives us a context for appreciating who they become, and they become such different people. Mm. Uh, and I like Mamoru Hosoda, all- and not who we expect them yes, to. Yes, exactly. And Mamoru Hosoda, especially all of his writing, like this with uh, Mirai no Mirai and his other stuff, Summer Wars is like almost maternal motherly and how it like refuses to pass judgment on like, Oh, I like Ame more. I like Yuki more. I like my extroverted child, I like my introverted child. I like my mama's boy. I like my brave adventurer. It just kind of presents a world where like people grow up how they grow up and you like the job of the parent is to kind of accept them and love them and accept that they are going on a path that you probably won't be able to follow the whole way through. And I treasure that. Like I treasure this movie. Mm. Yeah. It's as, as you say. It's probably what makes it outstanding is its storytelling, that that it has such nuance and genuine care for its characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's that's not to put down his strength as a, a director at all, because it is visually stunning, and he he loves to mess around with the, the camera in a in a staging way, which is just to to move move through time as well as through space and i think he's like 
a little underrated, which is yeah, which is ridiculous thing. because he's made just even his worst movie, worst quote unquote of the Boy and the Beast, is still like great. It's a great movie. Yeah, I don't don't think he is underrated. I think he's very much rated appropriately. <laughs> it's just it's just not Makoto Shinkai. Like yeah, you, you can't you can't have a break like your name. Um, although fucking Wolf Children should have been it for him because it's exceptional. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it, it's so many people just saw like Wolf Children and saw like the little like dog people and they're like, oh, this is a furry anime. And that's it. That's like, that's <laughs> yeah. the one chance they got. Maybe they, maybe they should re- re-release it because apparently with Beastars and oh, uh, God, Beastars. Brand New Animal 2020 is the... It's going to be like the <laughs> year of the furry. It's the year, furry year of, the horny, of the horny animal anime. <laughs> Uh, and you're also forgetting Summer Wars as well yes, which is also I, incredible I mean I mentioned Summer Wars when I was talking about like watching your kids grow up Summer Wars is more about like Summer Wars is a great like love story that's not told with like just the classic dynamics of crush it's about like loving someone in, in the context of their life and their family and mm. you know kind of setting a bar for yourself and reaching that and I think a, a lot of Mamoru Hosoda's anime is is about like how do we become the people that we are or that the people that we want to be? And I, I like that theme and I think he handles it very well where he has a lot of sympathy for how we turn out nice or mean or brave or scared or shy or extroverted. I, I like it all. Yeah, no, I I really loved both children. Certainly some of like the, the standout scenes to me is like when he's, she's, you know, trying to get involved with the, uh, with the community and she's sort of really struggling and then they all sort of like give him gifts and he's like oh so this is what I do so I make I prop do some crops and then give them and then they'll give me stuff back and it's like equivalent exchange and it's like a really lovely sort of you got you got two sides of that tale as well you, you got her um, sort of raising two wolf children and then you've also got her sort of ingratiating herself in a society that is completely alien to her yeah um it's fantastic getting the classic cranky old man who like finally comes over and is like <laughs> you fucked up all your all your potato planting and that's a beautiful seed like that's gorgeous i love that <laughs> bit it's so so lovely so well like told and such like a like such a well paced and well and like written Right. Well observed too. Like just it yeah. it feels like people. We've we've I mean, we all probably have grown up under some version of that kind of like tough absent father love <laughs> to some extent mm-hmm. or another. Yeah, and then and then also like my favourite scene is definitely when they're running through the snow. Like the kids are running through the snow. I think and they're like mm-hmm. trans uh, morphing from like adult from child to wolf and back again, like the a lot of animators just will cut away when a thing transforms, but Makoto Shinkai is really interested to know, like, how would a, like an, an arm become a foot, then turn into, then like him come on his full fours, then sort of like arches back to become more wolf-like. Do you mean Mamoru Hosoda? I did. What did I say? <laughs> did I say Makoto Shinkai? Yes. You've incepted yourself. <laughs> Damn it! Um, but yeah, like, like those small details in that shot is absolutely fascinating. Um, I really love it when they go the extra mile to really show that stuff. Um, one thing which stands out about that se- sequence for me is how they, they end it. Like, it could just be the sequence about pure unalloyed joy, what, like these wolves running through the snow and like, skidding and, and cavorting, soaring, soaring triumphant music. Yeah, but what it ends with is, is everything going quiet and 
someone going in, out of sight of their parent, and this this kid who's not as competent as he thinks he is, and who falls into a river, and like this, this 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 sort of manifestation of like every parent's worst nightmare. Like, where's where's my kid gone? What's happened to them? And like mm-hmm. this this kid just overreaching with just that invincibleness that every kid ha- thinks they have and yeah. him just yeah I also like the fact that there's still that law where you can't stay in wolf form for more than four hours otherwise you're stuck there forever just like in Animorphs <laughs> <laughs> that's not true that's fucking not true I'm just bullshitting <laughs> I just wanted to be good Animorphs anyway moving on <laughs> well um, I don't know if I can make a, a good uh a good uh, speaking of uh, of quadruped mammalian predators <laughs> <laughs> with with uh, three people voting me at number two Duncan at number nine and Jeff at number four is March comes in like a lion that was on, that was on my short list yeah this is why you have Fru is not on my list is that this is why Monogashi is not on my list. <laughs> yes, we all had to make we all had to make hard choices, but now it's time to talk about time to talk about March comes in like a lion. Yep. I mostly just I wrote this up when I first was watching the show and I did like a anime that I love that I watched in 2017, but it's really remarkable how given how much I had problems with Honey and Clover that I could fall in love with a manga by the same author. Um, <laughs> March, comes in, March Comes in Like a Lion is simply too good to write off, I feel like. It's an anime about the challenges that we overcome in order to grow, told through the person of a shogi prodigy named Ray who's caught between all these different families, his adoptive family, his family of these three girls who are making it on their own, the family that is the shogi community. Um, he starts... The anime at the pit at the bottom of a deep pit of depression and the joy of watching him slowly, incrementally, nigh imperceptibly change his behavior and begin to crawl out of it as a person is just wonderful. Hope, trust and trust and determination fuel his growth to a fully formed person who has something to offer the world. This is what this show does for almost every one of its named characters. Uh, we watch them face their triumphs and their tragedies. Uh, we find their own inner life. Uh, and the show constantly asks how people came to be how they are in often obsessive detail and how whether how they are is who they should be. And it's a hard show to watch, especially the bullying arc, which is very adamant about how there are no answers to the small cruelties that can lead some people to stumble backwards or start to drown. Um, but I think it's a, it's a wonderful story being told. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically mirrors everything I have to say about it. The, uh, the, the care and attention it gives all the other care, all of the, the characters in the show, the, the care and attention that shows all that it shows all these characters, like everybody, even the guy who's like got the creepy kind of rapey relationship with Ray's adopted older sister. We get to hear like why he's an asshole and why he, why he's like, <sighs> stressed and unhappy and cruel to everybody like everybody gets a chance to like know what's going on it's up to you the viewer to decide if that excuses their behavior if they've got room to grow if they're if they are who they should be it's deeply interesting showing you who these people are it's not it has doesn't take an opinion on, or take a position on you know this is a bad person this is a good person it, it trusts you to figure that out for yourself mm-hmm. and 
punishment is not doled out evenly and often things are unfair and that sort of mirrors the the shogi world where again a, a game that i have no real knowledge or you know connection to so perfectly encapsulating the complexities of trying to survive in a world that you don't necessarily fit into mm-hmm. does you know it, it's you know it, it 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 makes you you know it makes you feel it in a way that you know i'm not sure having a, a deep personal connection to the game would change that much it's just a, a credit to the the direction credit to the production mm-hmm. credit to the writing i think i i comparing it to chiha chihaya faru i think it's explains shogi far less um, in terms of the moves and the tactics, it tells us about the people and how their styles are manifestations of their um, personalities. Like I, I couldn't tell you much about how to play shogi in the same way I, I could, for instance, say I. I beginning to understand character which is funny because there are whole interludes where they explain the literal rules of, of shogi to you yeah i know but yeah but they're not really reinforced are they yeah. like you don't ever see you don't like they're just bought up because it's like hey this is a fun little like animation and shows one of the other characters sort of like more uh softer and sweeter sides but again you don't really see that person grow through shogi it's just bought up once and then never really referenced again no, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, you brought up something pertinent there, which is that the, like, little cuts we get to the, the shogi being explained comes in a style we later learn is from uh, one of the characters who is who is Ray's self-appointed rival <laughs> who is, who's written this this shogi for beginners book with cats and we we, we discover, like, all oh, these, these this weird childhood... It's, drawing style we've been shown all the shogi moves in is is his style and so he's like in a weird way been been the narrator for those bits all along and yeah it's just got such a uh, incredibly rich cast and subverts the um temptation in this sort of show to to revert to tropes it's it's like even in the first few episodes like we you get introduced to ray and immediately to the the three uh three sisters and like immediately you have this oh they're 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 the family he 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 needed and this this feeling that they, they seem they are dealing with their own grief and death over uh their parents in a way which is portrayed as oh this is, is so much more healthy than Ray's bo- bottled up grief and and rage over his um, death of his parents and then his his dysfunctional little, uh, life with his adopted family but then out of almost nowhere the show has the the courage to let one of those sisters wander off away from the rest and to let the camera and Ray follow her and find out like no she's not coping she's still crying herself Might have to sleep I don't know how to put it like she's she just has this moment where she, she 
under this like Picasso sky and she's there like just screaming and at the world for taking her mother away and just utterly unable to be rational about it or to accept it that it's just unfair and she you can't take it and she needs to have that release or what and that she knows that this she's at the age where she knows she can't have that release around the people who are most important to her because she'll harm them and like to have that that contrast as when you've just been shown these people as like almost a salve to raise wounds is is just like in, in, incredibly powerful yeah it's deeply interested in, in the emotional experience of the characters and how that shapes their decisions and i feel like that is something that is relatively rare in media where we want our characters to make like rational decisions based on good information and instead we have these characters that that uh are afraid or they're suffering or what have you and that's why they do what they do mm-hmm. while at the same time being a show that's ultimately about like making connections and making friends and the slow path that it is out of mental illness depression loneliness these sort of things it's a fucking laugh a minute. And speaking of a fucking laugh a minute, our number one anime wow. of the decade. Yeah. Everyone, everyone voted for it except Andy. Uh, me at number, <laughs> me at number nine. Uh, Duncan at number five. Jeff at number three, and John at number four is Flowers of Evil. Oh fuck off! <laughs> Man, I was I was starting to wonder. It's like, is this going to be in our top three? Is this our top two? Holy shit! It's our top number one show of 2012, or 20 of the 2010s. It's just singular. It really is. There's there's nothing yeah, like yeah. it, and there probably will never be anything like it again because they've scared everyone Thank off. Thank fuck for that. It's shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are we even going to say about this? Like, it's it's such a grim show that just dares you to look away. Uh, it is just a like a, a spiraling descent into like perversion and guilt and self-loathing and it's you know and and, and the and the fact that they've made it look so ugly and yet so human only adds to that and the the way the show just like you know, it, it revels in being in this, you know, this rusted out nowhere town filled with like, you know, ugly, normal people who are just just making their their own lives worse and worse and worse as it goes. And it's it's, you know, again, you know, a show that made me, you know, think about it when I wasn't watching it. I, I think I like it. You know, we we had watched it. I had never heard of it before, but we did the the spotlight on it. You know, picked it up and then just mainlined it in a way that I just don't I don't watch shows typically. Like I watched like I think I watched the whole thing in like a day, which is like I don't even usually have two, time for that. But <laughs> I I made time for that in this case, and it just that's that's what I did. I, I well technically I watched one episode, and I was like I don't I'm not in the mood for this right now. And then like six months later, I watched the rest of the episodes in one sitting and it destroyed me for the next like week yeah i couldn't i couldn't think about anything but it it's so fucking good yeah i i don't think any show does quite so well to cover the interconnected messiness of human relationships 
the shallowness and toxicity of desire, the inevitability of pain, the impossibility of true intimacy are all captured in this like awkward, twisted, ugly love triangle, yeah. which is combined with a visual style and vocal performances that are also kind of uncanny valley. And that's what puts it beyond something that's actually covering fairly similar ground, which is Scum's Wish, which was on my short list briefly. Um, yeah. Generally speaking in this list, I picked anime series and movies that I'd want to rewatch because longevity is an important factor for me, um, especially in a culture where like the new hotness, like all we'll hear about this this season is Izoken, and then next season it'll be, I don't know, whatever. I guess Eurocamp's also this season, so... Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's garbage this season. <laughs> let's not talk, let's not talk about that But Flowers of Evil is an exception because I probably will never watch it again, and I will always remember it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we have a whole episode on it, episode 25, way back when. Every now and then I open up the ED because on YouTube because that thing, is, it will always stick with me, and it puts me right back in the mood, and I hate it, but I also <laughs> love it. Yeah. It's fucking disturbing. I hate it. <laughs> what do you think, Andy? <laughs> I mean, I... I what do you think of this show's number one anime of the last decade? Oh, oh you you know it. Don't base him. <laughs> um, um, if you guys think that, that's fine. I, I think it's shite. <laughs> <laughs> but as you can tell, you can listen to the expertly edited episode of Number Whatever <laughs> um, to find all about my hatred of that show. That 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 episode has a trauma beyond the actual trauma of, of, of Flowers and Evil to me. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Which was that? Which was that? We had two recordings, and then Duncan magically put them together to make it seamlessly feel like there was one. It was very well edited. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. No, there, there are definitely seams, and that I, I don't know. The, the, the final thing I'll, I'll say about Flowers of Evil is that it is just so unfiltered. Everything about it, it is just taking like what the unconscious little twists and movements of the human body and the human face and using the idea of rotoscoping to catch those things we don't realize we do and to put them on screen and to fully explain fully show how weird and strange a human is and it's, it was just, yeah, it's just singular. It, and that's why it ended up so high in my list. And I think so high in a lot of our lists, because even, even Andy, for as much as he, he does not like what it did, I do not think we'll forget about it, for better or worse. I mean, I completely forgot about it until you mentioned <laughs> it just now. So <laughs> it definitely wasn't in my uh, any of my shortlists at all. I really really don't like that anime i think it's pretentious nonsense um but hey i'm clearly in the wrong here <laughs> yes yes you are 100%. well i mean you're in the minority here but i think everyone else on earth yeah. hates the show so <laughs> yeah so who won really Andy, me. <laughs> I, I would also say that my joint i didn't realize my joint first was uh night is short which i thought thought you'd someone else voted for but well, yeah, I put, you combined that together with uh, yeah, Tatami Gansi. Yeah, I thought they were, they were the same, but I didn't talk much about that. But whatever, doesn't matter. Well, we've also got an excellent ep- episode on that. We do, I indeed we do. On a lot of these, we have, we have a, a good episode on. Yeah, which is actually my secret favorite of the decade. Um, I think 
Nia it, Shaw. It, it, it went on and off the whole time. I do like I, I do like the Nia Shaw walk on girl. I just think the ending lets me down in a way that I would rather it not. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, well, do we have any follow-up lists? Anybody want to bemoan runners-up that now, belatedly, they realize should be on this list? Does anyone want to talk about things that they hated or felt disappointed about? Uh, worst anime I ever watched was Non on Biori. Well, that's not true. That's the best anime. Um, I've just got a, reg- a regrets list of anime that I didn't watch, so I couldn't put in my show. Put, couldn't put in my short list. Uh, Your Lie in April. I've just never got around to it. Blood Iron Orphans. I'm like three episodes away from ending it, and I can't put it on a list if I haven't finished it. I guess and. I just don't want my favorite characters to die because I know they're all going to die. <laughs> Fate series, people love that fucking show. And f- I have no idea where to start and I can't begin to start caring now. If I was going to say you, you, in terms of just sheer animation quality, Fate Zero probably would be somewhere up there because it's just technically outstanding. And that that is standalone and technically at the beginning of the timeline. So watch Fate Zero. It is grim as fuck at, at points and definitely misogynistic at points but yeah it is for what it 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 attempts to be a um extremely well executed example i also find that just the fate series in general is a fascinating sort of showmanship of a something that started from nothing like a small doujin uh visual novel and then spun out into this mega like this mega franchise of anime that like you can't move for like references or shut shit around it. Um, then because it turns all the historical figures into waifus, of course, it's popular. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Which is just seems like to be the central thing. But you know, whatever. People love it. Shulker, I just didn't watch it. Uh, Panty and stocking. I actually do have the Blu-ray of that now. I just still haven't got around to watching it. I don't know why. Uh, why I haven't. Why well, I haven't done it apart from laziness, um, and then SSS Gridman, oh, yeah. which everyone seemed to fucking bum at the time. I thought that might be on John's list, but nope, I didn't put any trigger stuff on my list. Trigger did not. Trigger did not save anime this decade. If, it, if I if I would have put one on there, it would have been Kisniver, and you know that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I felt I felt that. I felt the SS Gridman people really loved, and uh, we actually it's very good. We actually tried watching a few of it the other day um and yeah it's fine the other ones are of course eccentric family and um gachaman crowds which mm. i didn't get around oh, to that's watch. a good one that was definitely on my short list the three there's like three which were were at the very edge of, of making it in for me one of them was uh something i know and An- i think andy likes as well which is katanagatri which is another that's nishan, a good one nishan ishii uh scripted uh show with a completely different art style to uh what you would see in in monogatri and is nothing to do with that despite the gatariness of it um <laughs> but it is a just a incredibly vivid animation style and just like a take a a short form take on the shonen formula so it's it's like i think 13 episodes well actually i say short form it's 13 episodes but they're is it 45 minutes long each one is an hour long yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very it's a it's once again a very singular thing and um what else was there there was as well i mean i i agree that was i, I loved katana gatari and i I thought it like I haven't watched the Monogatari season, which is a series, which is why I couldn't put any of that on my list. But like the Katana Gatari is is really exceptional. Yeah. I, I also had um, Dragon Maid, 
which I th- yeah. is, was my comedy choice. I, I it's it's it made me laugh consistently, consistently, and it is still one of my most gifable shows. Like there's just so many good little visual gags there, despite the existence of a, a certain Aztec go- goddess who <laughs> is, does almost spoil it. Um, and the, and the last thing, um, which is I think one me and John both both loved, uh, was Death Parade, which <laughs> was just oh. I... No, I couldn't get on board with Death Parade. I just no? sort of lost no. it at the end. I just thought that. Oh, what? No. It just. Uh, it, like, it was trying to it's, do some other. This is not surprising to me. Andy doesn't like things that do things. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I like, I like <laughs> things. I like things that do things for a decent reason, but there was so much of that anime that felt like they had a short, which they did, which was very good, and then they tried to spin it out to a series, and there was this whole, like, other god shit that went nowhere. Uh, and I just thought that this was... You know, I don't think you finished the show. I fucking did finish the show. There was the bit... <laughs> you bit, can't say it went nowhere if you finished the show. Well, yeah, because it didn't. Like, the, there was... There oh, was, my God. There was the, the, the Deus Ex Machina God shit that was sort of uh-huh, trying uh-huh, sure, to yeah, build, okay. build to something, but it sort of over, overridingly just did nothing. I just found it a bit of a letdown. In in that show, the gods were the rules rather than the the protagonists, and that 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 I think is maybe the thing. You you if you're expecting pr- uh, progress in that show's law, there wasn't. If you were expecting progress in that show's um, protagonists, there very much was. Um, but yeah, it, that was has the that was an exceptionally beautiful uh, show, and I think it just like the ice skating scene at the end is just sticks in my mind as like one of the like most beautiful and like heartbreaking because you know where it's it's about to lead to uh moments it's the best op of the of the decade it's, it's another excellent one <laughs> it's and all right it's not the best what is the best op then andy ah oh, good point that's 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 a topic for yes, another that sounds like a completely <laughs> different episode one that is not three hours long yeah so remember, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, tell a friend that Flowers of Evil is the best anime of the decade. Then watch as they <laughs> laugh in your face because you're wrong. Say goodbye to Andy, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, me. <laughs>